Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's 38 all. Bills can win it here. White puts it down. The kick is on the way. And it is good. And the Bills have won it. The Bills have won it. The Bills have won it. They win it 41 to 38. Incredible. What a comeback by the Bills. Jacksonville's. Perfect record on the line right here. What's good, folks, family, friends, loved ones, enemies, frenemies, wizards, witches, muggles, mudbloods, people of Middle Earth to a uh, Buffalo Bills exit from the playoffs edition of Disguise Coverage. I am your host, Anthony Prohaska. Find me on Twitter at pro underscore underscore ant. That's pro two underscores A-N-T. This show, of course, is the only show that gives you an equal amount of blueberries in each muffin and is presented by the best pizza in Buffalo, New York, and that is One Pie Pizza. Find me on my menu in the episode show notes, whether here on YouTube or whichever podcasting app and or platform you are listening to this show on in this episode. Oh, man. I'm going to try and digest some of the pieces from the Buffalo Bills loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. I'm going to try and make this episode as engaging as possible. I usually like to do this for the kind of end of season into the off season um, episode, especially one that involves so many emotions and thoughts and feelings as, as this one where the bills lose in heartbreaking fashion to a team that they seem to consistently lose to in the playoffs and also consistently lose to in heartbreaking fashions to all these pieces. So throughout the entirety of this episode, questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, anything you folks got, I, you know, if, if I knew how many people were going to be doing, um, or being in the chat for the for live in this episode. Uh, these episodes are always kind of wonky in terms of who's feeling what, who wants to consume content. I know as a person who obviously does this weekly, this episode is always kind of like a slog in terms of like, ugh, but you know, the show must go on. But anybody who rolls in questions, thoughts, comments, concerns will make this as engaging as possible. But going to digest some of the bills lost to the Chiefs in this episode. Also going to talk about some. Things in relation to where the Buffalo Bills go from here, hence the title, uh, kind of table-setting pieces for the offseason. This is going to be a, a very pivotal offseason for the Buffalo Bills. I, I thought last year would be a pivotal one as well, mainly because of what I saw coming down the pike for this offseason. Um, there are several important 
pending free agents for this team that most likely probably leave. There are some position groups that are going to need bodies that are going to need a facelift that need addressing in some form or fashion. And I also think within that conversation, there are some positives uh, from this past season. That was a roller coaster of a season emotionally on and off the field and all these pieces, but some positives to draw upon that will impact the off season roadmap um, and discussion that happens for this team. And then on the back end of this episode, kind of like midway, halfway through this episode, I'll be joined uh, by one of my favorite guests uh, to help me navigate that conversation in terms of, you know, where do the Buffalo Bills go from here? What does that conversation look like? And any and all those pieces, um, I guess, you know, to, to start off this episode again, just to put a nice little bow and anybody who's riding with me live here on this episode right now, questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, anything and everything that is stuck in your, you know, crawl or your mind or your head or your heart after this Bills loss to the Chiefs. Feel free to put it up into the chat. Something that you like, something that you didn't, something that's still bothering you, something that you think is going to bother you forever or at least this offseason, whatever you got. Uh, throw it up into the chat for a little group therapy session uh, as we, uh, again, try and digest the Buffalo Bills loss here. Um, this quick comment here from Raymond saying, dream free agency and draft acquisitions, just trying to move on. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, for me, I started turn, trying to turn the page um, yesterday. I, yeah, I'm i going to the Senior Bowl next week, myself and Eric um, and John and Daniel from Cover One Draft Weekly, you know, two of the new acquisitions to the brand, to the team. Uh, the four of us will be down in Mobile, Alabama next week for the Senior Bowl live and in person for the meet of the week uh, when it comes to the practices and competition pieces and all that. So, I started to flip the page towards the off season. I, I, I mean, I'm always into college football regularly watching it and, you know, getting in a tape and really trying to set myself up for success when it comes to prospect breakdowns and evaluations. Um, but as soon as Monday hit this week, so yesterday, I started just fully diving into senior bowl prep and some college stuff in general, just watching tape, evaluating players. Um, I think that kind of, for me, that helps again, kind of turning that page and moving on from the season in addition to needing to do it because I will be uh, in mobile next week again for the senior bowl. So I wanted to be as prepped as possible, but yeah, I think he, he, that thought comes in of those free agency pieces, the draft pieces. Again, you're just trying to think of, you know, what can make me feel better about how this season ended. Um, for me in, in those dream free agency and draft acquisitions. And what I'm, I'm going to talk about in a little bit in the episode, if they could, I mean, for me, dream, you, you always kind of have like the real realism aspect to it, but man, if they could somehow bring in, like, I would love Mike Evans on this team. Um, I would love Antoine Winfield on this team. I think both those dudes are obviously going to be priced out of the Buffalo Bills market. Like there's no, no shot. Um, but those would be dream free agent acquisitions for me. Um, more realistic free acquisition, free agent acquisitions and draft acquisitions. I'm going to get into as this episode goes on, but I'm in the same spot in terms of where my head is at. Um, and all those pieces, uh, T rank coming in and saying the best D line in the McDermott era disappeared when it mattered most like the avatar. <laughs> How do we keep that trailer for Avatar that came out for Netflix? I think today was uh, pretty sweet. Um, how do we keep the D line from disappearing come playoff time next year when they'll have a good regular season? I think that's a fair question. Um, it seems like no matter what, even this year too, right? Like I, I don't want Ed Oliver to be painted into the box of one game um, from that divisional round against the Chiefs where he struggled mightily. Um, the next gen stats came out in terms of when he was one on one with Joe Tooney and just the lack of pressure and all those pieces. I, I will say for everything, much like the Cincinnati loss last year, there is 
there is that marriage of pass rushing coverage that needs to happen. And if the coverage piece isn't there on the back end, the pressure like doesn't matter, right? If you win your matchup in a second and a half or two seconds, but the ball is coming out in one second or a second and a half, it looks like you're not getting any pressure. But really aside from this very, the second play of the game for the chiefs offense, where Rousseau, beat Donovan Smith off the uh, right side of the Bills defense, got inside, got his hands on Mahomes. Mahomes got away and uh, flung it out to Rasheed Rice um, because Mahomes scrambling broke down the coverage. Mahomes got it to Rice and Rice took off. Aside from that, and I still have to finish the defense tape, but aside from that and maybe one or two plays from Leonard Floyd, yeah, there wasn't a ton of pressure on Mahomes in this game, which was disappointing. And I think to answer the question, like how do you keep the D line from disappearing come playoff time next year? I think one piece is health of the defense. I don't think Floyd was healthy down the stretch. Daquan came back, but he's still not healthy. Rousseau, I think got healthier as the season went on, but we know he played banged up a bunch. It's tough. Um, I, I think a lot of it too comes down to who you are playing. And for as much maligned as the Chiefs' offensive tackles were, on the interior, they have all pro-caliber players. Creed Humphrey at center, and then the bookend guards with Joe Tooney and Trey Smith. Like, they have a good squad on the interior. I definitely thought the Bills had the opportunity to win on the outside, but the Chiefs did things to help protect on the outside. Mahomes got the ball out quickly. Mahomes knows how to navigate the pocket. He's one of the best quarterbacks year in and year out at not allowing pressures to be converted to sacks. He's a dude who does it against everybody in the league. He's a hard dude to to sack I and mean, pressure in general, but let alone like get home and get down on. But yeah, I, I don't think this performance is as deflating as the Bengals one, but it was disappointing to see the lack of pressure um, in this game for, um, for the Bills defense. Again, especially knowing how strong they had been throughout the entirety of the season. Like Ed Oliver had a beast of a season in every way, um, shape and form. And to know that a lot of how this game went down in people's minds will define the season that he had in terms of thinking, you know, he had a horrible season or he disappears when it matters most. And I understand where that notion comes from. Uh, But yeah, it was disappointing for me. The bigger disappointment for the defensive line was getting pushed around as much as they did um, in the run game. And they tried to schematically make some corrections as the game went on in terms of run fits and gap integrity, um, in terms of who was doing what from a, spo- a responsibility perspective. But the amount that they got pushed around uh, up front, I thought, was was alarming um, and disappointing, even more so than the pass rush. But, yeah, not great. Roy comes in and says, just running back with Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. Laugh out loud. Not great. Oh. Rod's comment here echoes uh, what I just said. No shame, not pressuring Mahomes. He's one of the least sack pressure QBs in the league. Yeah, he gets he gets pressured a bunch from a volume perspective because they pass a ton. Um, but yeah, he and Allen were both tied for the second least percent of pressures converted to sacks on the year, which was 10.4%. And each one of them was like, I think Allen was pressured like 247 times. Mahomes was pressured like 250 or, or somewhere around there, like both towards the top end of the league. Again, both are high volume passing attacks. Um, but yeah, they're both tremendous when it comes to not allowing those pressures turning into sacks. Um, yeah. A good comment here from K. Omari saying regards to the D line at the chief slot, they would be saying the same thing, zero sacks run down the throats, et cetera. It is very funny how, the game gets painted. What's the old adage? Like the, um, the history is always told by like the winners or the winning side or whatever like that. And yeah, if the chiefs had lost this game, you're sitting there thinking, man, 
we played too much man early on and Allen Nate took advantage of us with his legs, uh, weren't able to stop the ground game, got pushed around a ton. The Bills were very successful on the ground in this game against the Chiefs. Um, I put out a tweet about it uh, yesterday. Let me go and pull that up. But they pushed the Chiefs around a bunch. Yeah, so the Bills offense in that game against the Chiefs, 57.7 success rate overall, a 60.6 rushing success rate, which was second on the weekend behind only the Detroit Lions. They had a 55.6 dropback success rate, which was third, and they were fifth in EPA per play. Um, They really didn't struggle to run the ball ever against the Chiefs, except for like maybe three or four reps in the second half where the Chiefs just sold out against the run and Drew Tranquil made a play or they set the edge really well and Bolton made a play. Those negative plays on the ground ended up setting the Bills back um, and led to some unsuccessful drives, especially in the fourth quarter um, for the Bills. But yeah, uh, Chris Jones was largely not a factor. Um, Granted, they were trying to do some rush things to kind of keep Allen hemmed in the pocket, especially in the low red zone. But yeah, but the story is always told on the victory side. It's uh, it's disappointing. Comment here from Pop saying when the linebackers or corners are hurt, it makes it harder for the D line to get sacks. The corner piece was huge. Um, Christian Ben, I, I know. Benford was the story all week or Bernard was the story all week and understandable. Um, I think I said it earlier today, like Sherelle Bernard has become the brain of the Buffalo bills defense. And he was tremendously missed um, in the, he would have been missed in general, but especially in this game, considering how the chiefs like to attack you, how they can attack you and the players they have on offense, mainly Travis Kelsey, but he was a huge miss in this game. Um, But the corners affected this game tremendously, you know, Benford being out, I thought was an underrated piece all week. I talked about it leading into the game. Um, with how good of a year he's had as CB2 for the Bills. And then Rasul Douglas, I know he said he was 100% and good to go, but you could tell he was just laboring out there. He did not look um, 100%. And I give him credit for even you know strapping up and uh, trying to give it a go and make things happen. But, man, it was, uh, it was, it was rough watching him at times. Again, I just don't think he was healthy. And so you're, you're down one of your starting corners. Your other starting corner is hurt. And Trey White's already down. So Jane, Dane Jackson is starting, and you're down to – depth, depth, depth guys at the linebacker spot. They just, injuries, just too much to overcome. Um, uh, it's disappointing, disappointing. Oh, Steve saying, playing as many games as they play, I would love to see teams get two bye weeks to maximize health in the playoffs. Yeah, I would have thought with the added regular season um, game that they added in the whole week 18 piece, I wondered if there would be an extra bye week mixed in, but we'll see if that's uh that's a piece down the road. Ah, Bish coming in saying history is written by the victors. Thank you. I was close. I was close. I was close. Like 70%, like seven out of 10 there. I was close. Comment here saying hot take is the bills take a wide receiver in the first safety in the second and defensive tackle in the third, unless there is an incredible player who falls. I don't have a hot take. I kind of would reverse that depending on how the board falls. I would like to go safety in the first and then take a receiver in the second um, or defensive line. If a tremendous defensive lineman falls in the first, um, I will see what happens with wide receiver. There's a ton in this draft class, which means you can get a stud early on or, you can invest in another position early on, knowing you can go receiver in round two or round three, knowing that there isn't as much of a drop off at receiver as there is at other positions. So it's kind of that balancing act, but you know, we'll see kind of what happens there for that piece. Uh, Troy saying it isn't great losing in the divisional round, but the bills are a fun team to watch and root for. It's frustrating, but only a matter of time until we win a championship. I think the matter of time piece is the one, like how much is a matter of time? Is it two years? Is it 200 years? Is it 20 years? Cause man, they, they, it's been a matter of time for a long time. Uh, Roy saying Von Miller played actually played pretty well when he was in there. That's a big one too. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. We'll see what he looks like going forward. 
Um, man, disappointing, disappointing, disappointing. Jared says, what jersey are you wearing? I am wearing a uh, 49ers Ronnie Lott jersey. Uh, before I really liked the 49ers when I was a kid. Still have a soft spot for them um, in my heart, as I do for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Ed Reed is my favorite football player of all time. I really love Terrell Suggs, too. Um, so um, I'm obviously clued into every football weekend, but I'm big time on the 49ers and uh, Ravens bandwagons this weekend. I uh, was going to wear a Ravens jersey, but eh, I found the Ronnie Lott one first, and so it is what it is. Ooh, Riemann saying, favorite Okada destination. Go back to New Japan. I want him to go back to New Japan. He shouldn't lose. I don't trust the presentation anywhere else he goes. If I had to pick, I would pick AEW, but I don't even love that. Um, I don't want him to go to WWE or NXT or whatever. Um, I truly don't know where he's going to go. I would prefer for him to go to AEW, uh, but selfishly, I would like him to just stay in New Japan and help build up those young dudes and pass the torch and tell the story. But yeah, 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 yeah. Good question. Good question. Good question. Um, so let's go into some of the conversation pieces. Um, you know, the Von, one of the Von Miller comments, I'm just going to go and, and cue this up right now. So the first segment here, <laughs> the defensive line needs to be addressed. And then I put in parentheses again, I know, I know this is going to make so many people angry and disappointed or upset or bothered. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills went defensive line in the first round um, of the draft. Again, there, there's so much moving and shaking. I, I don't think there, we even need to get to the spot right now where we start saying this is what this is what how the first round is going to shake out. This prospect is here. There's so much to be done in free agency. Teams are going to you know fill different needs, which is going to change draft boards, which is going to change who falls in each round, and so on and so forth. So free agency does so much. The combine does so much. The senior bowl does so much. The, the draft stocks of players go up and down and things change so much that it's absolutely wild um, that to, to kind of get into a predictive spot right now. But when you look at the Buffalo Bills, huh, defensive line will need to be addressed in some form or fashion. I say right now, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they went D-line in the first round, but even if it's not in the first round, they're going to be addressing um, defensive line at some point. I want to share my screen real quick. I'm going to answer this question real quick from Kurt saying, who do you root for in the Super Bowl between 49ers and Ravens? I wouldn't care either way. Um, that would be one where there's nobody I hate and I can just sit back and relax and enjoy football and not have to worry about some team that I hate uh, winning the Super Bowl. I would maybe lean, I probably lean Ravens slightly because I love the style of football they play more. Um, uh, but I would be cool either way. Um, so I want to share my screen, pull this up here. Mm -hmm. So this is spot track and the Buffalo Bills spending for 2024. Some people use over the cap. Um, I use, yeah, Kurt said it. That is the best feeling. Yeah. When you have two teams in the Super Bowl that you like both teams or you don't care either way, you can just sit back and watch football without having to be like, I hate this one team and I hope they don't win so much more stress-free. Um, I use spot track just because I like the user interface. I think over the cap is a bit more accurate, but spot track is close enough and pretty good overall. Plus I like their user interface and especially from a presentation standpoint for shows, I think this is more easily digestible with how it's organized from an interface perspective than over the cap is, but over the cap is tremendous. So this right now is the 2024 positional spending on the defensive line for the Buffalo bills. Now, the big thing to look at here, the cap dollars, 
the ones that are in orange, those are void years. And void years, I don't want to get too much into a salary cap conversation now, but basically void years are just dummy years on a contract, so they count towards the cap, but that doesn't mean the player is under contract for that year. So basically, think of these orange, the orange lines are players that are not actually on the roster as of 2024. So if we're going down this list right now, who you have on your roster (laughs) for the defensive line in 2024 is Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus kingsley jonathan I don't know why Cameron Klein's listed at zero and zero. Um, Bills also made a move today, um, signing Ilianku, uh to that a reserve future contract. So he'll be included. This just hasn't been updated at that point. But you're basically looking at five on the defensive line roster as of now. And we know how Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both fully believe in terms of how to build a defense. They believe they've said it multiple times, going back to when they first started. When they've said, I feel like they've said it almost every off season at some point they believe in building from the defensive line out Dean Marlowe when he joined myself and Eric in the film room earlier this year he talked about it as well like there's so many pieces for the defense that start with the defensive line for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott but even if that wasn't the case even if they didn't believe in building from the defensive line out just from a body's perspective the Bills are going to have to address this defensive line because, again, they're rolling with five guys under contract right now. So not only are they lacking quality across the defensive line in 2024, they just lack bodies. Like, they just don't have enough players on the defensive line as of right now. So whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the draft, this position group is going to have to be addressed. And it ties into a bit of the conversation we were having earlier uh, with the defensive line disappearing and – you know, dream draft acquisitions or free agency acquisitions and all these pieces, so much of it will come down to positions of need that have to be addressed. Like some spots are like, man, I'd love for them to upgrade here. Man, I'd love for this position to get a facelift or to get some fine tuning. When it comes to the defensive line, they don't have anybody. Um, And Ed Oliver is basically the only defensive tackle that's on the roster for next year. We'll see what happens with Daquan Jones. We'll see what happens with Leonard Floyd coming back. He he made a comment, I know, the other day, like he'd love to be back, but he wants to get paid. We'll see what happens with A.J. Epinesa. But you're looking at it right now. Again, Daquan's year is a void year. Tim Settle's year is a void year. Leonard Floyd's year is a void year. So none of those guys are under contract. Even if everybody was listed here was under contract, it would only be eight, which is still not good enough. And then there's still a question about quality overall. But 
I wanted to pull up that piece again, because I think it is pretty telling given the state of where the defensive line is from a roster spot as of now. And that ties into, again, the Von Miller conversation, because we'll see what Von Miller looks like from a, and I think he's a huge part of this conversation, obviously, but we'll see what he looks like with a full off season of just being able to work out, right? Just being able to get ready, work out, get his body back into shape, not having to worry about rehab and the mental stress and the mental work of making sure your knee is okay, let alone the physical rehab work and the physical therapy and everything that you're trying to do to get ready. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he is in 2024. There were, as one of the comments there earlier um, indicated, like there were some flashes from him more positive as you know, the season went on from him coming off the edge. So again, if he gets a regular off season under his belt and he's not injured, it, it usually is always that second year back from an ACL injury when players see a return to form. So fingers crossed and holding out hope for Vaughn to be impactful in 2024, but they need him to be given the state of this defensive line. Like the cap situation is not good. As Eric says in the comments, there's always money in the banana stand. love that. That's one of my favorite quotes. I mean, I love arrested development. So there's a lot of quotes that I love, but um, yeah, there's definitely some, you know, shaking and moving that they can do financially, which again, I don't want to dive into too much of that right now because it gets us way off track for the conversation, but there will be addressing for the defensive line. And I know that makes everybody eye roll or shrug or groan, um, and as RJ says right here, for a team that threw so many resources at the defensive line, that there's literally no one next year. Yeah, like you're, you're known quantities going into next year right now on the defensive line are literally just Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau. Like, I guess you kind of know what you're getting out of Kingsley Jonathan, um, but you're known like starting caliber, quantity, quality dudes. It's Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau. You don't know what you're going to get from Von Miller. Kingsley Jonathan has just been at best a rotational or kind of depth guy at this point. Um, and that's why I say like defensive line needs to be addressed. And it's frustrating. I know for a lot of people, because it seems like it's a yearly thing every year, this you know team having to go to the well to address the defensive line and spend resources and allocate resources, whether in free agency, whether in the draft, um, all these pieces all to, to kind of, again, reinforce the defensive line and consistently be in a situation where it's a little bit of a merry-go-round in terms of addressing that position year after year and having there be some turnover. Um, and what's also worrisome is not only do you not have like the bodies, which impacts you for 2024, but then like long-term, right? If you don't address it in a certain way, say you don't draft and you're just signing guys to one or two year deals and free agency, you're kind of in this situation again next offseason and potentially in the offseason after that. And it's kind of this rotating, revolving door of defensive line addressing, defensive line addressing, defensive line addressing. So if they do go someone in round one and they hit, cool. You know, you still have Greg Russo's fifth-year option to um, exercise. So he'll be around here for several more years or a couple more years. Ed Oliver got signed long-term last year, last year, so you know they're in for the long haul. But this position group will be addressed. Just one, because they don't have bodies. Like even if even if the Bills and McDermott and Bean didn't believe in valuing the defensive line just off of how many people they have signed or don't have signed, I guess I should say, they're going to have to address the defensive line. But then even more so considering, again, Bean and McDermott believe in building a defense and that that starts with the defensive line. You build it from the defensive line out. So 
there's always a ton of defensive linemen available in free agency edges and defensive tackles, guys who fit the scheme, not guys that are going to break the bank. You know, I don't think they're going to come out and sign Brian Burns. Like, I don't think that's a realistic possibility considering what he's probably going to fetch on the open market. Um, but they'll piece it together with dudes in free agency. I would expect it to get addressed somehow, some way in the draft. They have 10 picks in the draft this year. Again, as of right now, and so much will change as we go forward, but I really wouldn't be shocked to see them go defensive line at the end of round one. That's always a sweet spot for defensive tackles, um, edges, all those pieces. Oh, Steve saying good year to have nine draft picks. Yeah, nine or 10. I forget what they have. I haven't fully gone into those pieces. Or no, I know they traded because they traded two and got one back in the Rasul Douglas deal. So yeah, maybe it is nine at this point. Um, good call there. I wouldn't be surprised if, if defensive line was addressed in round one. It'll get addressed multiple times, I would think, in the draft and in free agency, the combination of those two. This is going to be another offseason where the Bills are looking at defensive line, and they have to. And I know that's frustrating for people. I know people want to look and see it and, and see and talk about, man, weapons for Josh Allen and weapons for Josh Allen and sexier picks and sexier pieces. But um, it's tough. Like, knowing what they have from a roster standpoint, the bodies that they have, the bodies they don't have, the team philosophy, this defensive line has to get addressed. And then again, adding on top of that, the question of Von Miller, you don't know what you're going to get from Von Miller. So that's also part of the impetus for having to address the defensive line. Because again, the only known quantities you have on the roster next year at defensive line for the Buffalo Bills are Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau. That is it. Von Miller's a wild card, and Kingsley Jonathan at best is a rotational or depth guy. That's it. And then you got Ilianku. Like, oof, worrisome, 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 worrisome. Oh, appreciate the super chat coming in from uh, Vera Kennedy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the super chat. The comment here is McDermott is peaked with this team. Um, I I go back and forth on this a lot. I see the 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 comments all the time in regards to uh, Sean McDermott and not being able to get his team over the hump and all of these pieces that come through. It's tough. I, I don't ever try to go for the notion of like a coach peaking with a team. My, my thing in the conversation with it always for me is it, it's really hard to win a Super Bowl, And this isn't me giving McDermott a pass. Like, the the odds of your one team winning it versus um uh, versus the odds of your one team winning a championship in any sport but especially football the odds of your one team winning it versus the field you're always going to go with the field especially in football there's no best of 7 series there's no best of 5 there's no opportunity for you to course correct and come back there's no opportunity to try and prove you're the better team over a series, it's one and done. If you have a bad game or there's a bad matchup or it's bad weather, you're done, you're out. And um, it's so tough, and I think that clouds so much. Like, guys go from being a good coach to a horrible coach to an amazing coach just because they win a Super Bowl. Like, so many things change. Like, the narrative around Andy Reid has changed so much in the past several years. Like, he was run out of Philly, and people were singing and dancing because he couldn't get over the hump. And then it was the exact same thing in KC, and then all of a sudden he gets Patrick Mahomes and everything changes. Um, 
I, my whole, my whole thing with the McDermott conversation is I don't think he's going anywhere. So the conversation for me is like, whether or not you want him out, whether or not you want him to stay, I don't really think any of it matters because you're just shouting into the ether because he's not going anywhere. Like he's done enough to earn tenure, um, and a pretty long leash with this team, whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, I'm just saying you in the general sense, not you necessarily Vera. um, but yeah, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. So the conversation for me is moot. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think he can win a Super Bowl. I think it's hard to win a Super Bowl. I wouldn't be upset if he went out and they got someone else. I also don't want him to go. Like I understand all the sides of it, but regardless of it, I think the conversation is pointless because he ain't going anywhere. Like I, I just, I just don't think he's going anywhere. I also don't trust Terry Pagula to hire a new coach and bring somebody in. Like I just, oof, man, not great. Uh, Daryl saying, do you think he can win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I think Sean McDermott can win a Super Bowl. Um, there's so many, there's so many coaches that were just duds and guys that people hated and narratives were out on this person and all of a sudden lightning strikes and everything aligns. I also think too, again, not to give McDermott a pass because I'm not. So many things have to go right from like a matchup standpoint, an injury standpoint, a health standpoint. There's so many things that have to align to win a Super Bowl that that's honestly part of it, as much as I hate to say it, what makes the Patriots run so much more impressive because they were so they were doing it so consistently in an era where it is hard to do so, given the puzzle pieces that have to consistently align for you as a team. Um, I think he can win a Super Bowl. Um, but again, I, I, I see a lot of the conversation pieces like if McDermott left, I wouldn't be distraught. Right. If it was, hey, they fired Sean McDermott, they're bringing in a new coach. I'd be like, OK, you know, I again. He's coming back, which I'm also like, okay. I just think the whole conversation is pointless because he's not going anywhere. Like I, I wouldn't stress the conversation. I wouldn't waste the breath. I wouldn't waste the energy or the mental bandwidth thinking about, man, he should go. And I'd love to have Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick or any other coach that's out there that like kind of fits your fancy or floats your boat. Um, I just, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. So it really never even crosses my mind. I said it earlier in the year when the team was struggling, when they were six and six and things looked bad. If he stayed cool, if he left cool, I think there's merits to both sides of the conversation. Um, I don't always think the grass is greener on the other side. I don't think that means you should always, you know, dance with the devil that you know, right? But I, my whole thing is I think it's moot because he's not going anywhere. Like he's earned a decent leash with this team um, and he's got tenure. I just don't think he's going anywhere. So for me, the conversation is kind of just, Mah. oh, and as Ralph Wilson Sr. says, yeah, we could end up with the NFL version of Donnie Meatballs. Because that's a part too, like I, and this isn't to like fear mongering to be like, no, that's why you should stay with him because things could get so much worse. Like, I just don't think there's a guarantee that you bring in a new coach and that person's awesome. Like how many times have teams brought in new coaches and everybody was like, man, this is going to be the year we're going to take off now. I said it before earlier in the year in an episode uh, on disguise coverage, like you could, they bills could get rid of Sean McDermott and they could be significantly worse. They could get rid of Sean McDermott and be significantly better. It's literally a toss up. And if you want to take the chance on that toss up, cool. Like a hundred percent you can, but it's a toss up. Like I, I just think too many people look at McDermott peaking or blaming things on McDermott and making a concrete assumption that a new coach will solve everything and automatically be better. I don't think that's that that's necessarily the same thing could things get better sure could they get worse sure like that's the kind that's the way you have to approach it but again regardless of all of it 
I just don't think it matters. I don't think Sean McDermott is going anywhere. So I don't even like waste a brain cell or breath really thinking about it. Um, and Bob says, Ant, this team is not the team of the seventies where no one wanted to coach them. This team would have the pick, uh, it's pick of the litter. Sure. Like I, they, they could, I'm sure there's a lot of dudes that would love to lead a team that has Josh Allen and has some of the pieces this team has. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out, especially when you go the coordinator route, right? Like there's, there's a lot of coaches who were tremendous coordinators and failed miserably as head coaches. Rex Ryan kind of being one of them, although we succeeded early on with the Jets. I just don't think there's a game. My whole thing is, and there's something to be said for both both sides, right? Trying to take, oh, I like this comment from Steve, how many coaches have the Maple Leafs had? Did anything change? Nice. Going back to this comment here from Bob, though. Um, you can make the case for both sides, right? I just don't think there is a guarantee that if you get a new coach, everything is sunshine and rainbows. It could be sunshine and rainbows. It could also be a disaster and it could be a train wreck. And going from a coordinator to a head coach is a big jump for a lot of people. It's when you're a coordinator, it's more X's and O's and you running a side of the ball versus when you're a head coach, you're almost a people manager more than you are anything. There's so much more that goes into a head coach than it is from a coordinator spot. That's part of the risk assessment for me as well, right? Like you could take a guy, I'll just use Ben Johnson's name from the Lions because everybody's talking about Ben Johnson. Tremendous offensive coordinator, good timing, good rhythm offense, what he's done with golf, the pieces and the weapons and all this kind of stuff, right? Like he might be horrible with people. He might be horrible at being a head coach and he could take over somebody and his team could be awful. Like there's no guarantee that his offense translates to a new team, but you also have to take time to build the team around what he wants. Maybe he's not as good as, you know, at morphing his system to players as he is having the right players for the right system at the right time. Like there's just a multitude of questions that exist. And I feel like a lot of people that want McDermott out, which is again, is fine if you do. I just don't think it's a guarantee that if he leaves, the team immediately gets better and team gets over the hump. Um, and Joey coming in and saying, you know how long it took Andy Reid to get over the hump a long time? Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's merit to the conversation of, you know, Andy Reid went to four straight uh, championships and they lost each time with the Eagles. But again, go back to that conversation. I'm not saying you, Joey, but people in general, like, Everybody talking about, yeah, well, Andy Reid did this. At the time, people were using that as a negative. Like, this dude can only go to the NFC Championship. He sucks. We can never get to a Super Bowl because Andy Reid sucks. And then they get to a Super Bowl, and Terrell Owens is playing on a metal leg because his leg is destroyed, and they lose. And everybody's like, yep, see, Andy Reid can't get past the big one. And then he's losing in Kansas City over and over again. All it takes is one run or one game to kind of change the notion or feelings or opinions about a coach. And again, so the whole McDermott piece is muddy overall. And if you want, if, if people want him out, I understand why, and I get it. If people want him to stay, I understand, and I get it. I do think the conversation is moot because he's not going anywhere, especially this offseason. Um, and my other big thing with it is it's not guaranteed that if you fire him and bring in a new coach, this, this team takes a jump, right? Like, there's an equal amount of chance that the team takes a jump with the new coach as there is the team fails and burns catastrophically. Like it's not a given. Um, oh, this is a good comment here too from Reeman saying the way the players talked about McD in the exit interviews has me bought in. The D credits him so much for their development. I mean, I don't really, aside from, I guess the anonymous ones in Ty Dunn's report, you don't really, um, you don't really hear a lot of negatives about Sean McDermott. Like Ed Oliver sung his praises. Emmanuel Sanders talked about him positively. Like, uh, I know Bernard talked about him today in exit interviews. Like there are um, a lot of 
positives that come with Sean McDermott. He's a significant part of the locker room and the culture. Like you saw that victory, what was it, against Kansas City in the regular season? Like, what was it? The, right after that ton, that Ty piece came out, he got a game ball and whoever said what they said and everybody in the locker room saying, we got your back, coach. Like, all the pieces that came through for that, man, like, there's there's a lot of belief in Sean McDermott internally within the players. And if he has the buy-in of the players, that's a big piece. On the, the day where he loses the buy-in of the players, I think that's more where we worry and that's more where we kind of have to switch um, that conversation. But um, I'm going to bring up my guest at this time. I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite guests who is living this rock star lifestyle on the West Coast in Los Angeles, but he takes the time every once in a while to come back to the little people, to come back to his roots. And I appreciate that about him because he is this trendsetter living this jet setter lifestyle out there on the West Coast, wearing sunglasses all the time, playing volleyball shirtless on the beach like he's in Top Gun, just living living the life out there in L.A. Mr. Kendall Mursky, I appreciate you taking the time. Welcome to the show. I wish it was a more fun episode and the Bills had won, but nonetheless, um, I, I always love every time you come back. I love talking ball with you. You and I text a bunch still, and I think it's cool to have you on to be able to kind of have this table setting off season conversation, uh, with you. So welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I wish my life was exactly as you explained it. I wish I wasn't here in the circumstances that I'm here, but <laughs> it, I think it's, I think it's funny as soon as the comments already came oh, in, yeah, it's immediate. Pop, Pop said, do we get yeah. to see him? And then Roy's me like, mommy, let him out of his room. RJ yeah, says no, Kendall. It's... Oh, Charles Nice with the Wedding Crashers reference. Everyone ah, knows the vibes. Yeah. Everybody it's... gets it. Everyone gets it. No, everybody gets it. Oh, and go, sorry, real quick with this comment for Vera. Yeah, no, absolutely, Vera. I know you didn't say he was bad. You said he peaked. I just wanted to shift that to another conversation and use your, use your comment as a stepping stool or stepping stool, stepping stone to that jump off point of should McDermott stay? Should McDermott go? It was good. Like your comment got a ton of people in the chat um, kind of talking and engaging. So I appreciate that comment. It was a good thought. It was a good thought, but I see you and recognize you. Um, yeah. Kendall. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Man, um, before you came in, uh, I'll kind of give you. Uh, so the conversation shifted to some Sean McDermott talk, but right before you came in, I was talking briefly on everybody's favorite topic, which is how the Bills have to always address the defensive line. And I just showed the positional spending from spot track for next mm. year. Um, orange lines are the voided lines or voided years. I should say for contracts. So the only people the bills have under contract next year on the defensive line are Von Miller. Who's a big question mark, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Kingsley, Jonathan, again, Cameron Klein showed in there with no dollars as a placeholder. And then they did sign Ilianku today to a reserve futures contract. Right. 
Um, but you know, since you joined right in at the tail end of that conversation, what are your thoughts on the defensive line? Are you frustrated that they're going to have to retool it again? Cause my big thing with it was not only are they missing quality at this position, they're just missing bodies and yeah. quantity and added on top of that. We know McDermott and beans philosophy is d- defensively based on building from the defensive line out. So there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking here, which I know people don't like that. Like I even titled it defensive line needs to be addressed again. I know, which I know people don't like, but what are your thoughts yeah. on the defensive line? And, you know, again, having it to be retooled again. I mean, I feel like my thoughts are kind of like in the parentheses below. It, it's just like, yeah, I know. Like it, it's got to happen again. Right. I mean, but that's, that's kind of what's happening when you swing and miss and like you're addressing this position via free agency. That, exactly. Especially, like one or two year deals over yeah. and over again, you're constantly having to dip back in the pool. And you have to do the one and two year deals because you know, this Josh Allen money is setting in this year. Like you can't afford to put money into the future too far. Cause you're already you know, you're already handcuffed by the Josh Allen deal as is. So, I mean, trading boogie, not hitting on boogie is kind of like the big one. I, I know a lot of people didn't even love the back-to-back dip at edge, but like if that hit, it it would look pretty solid right now and like a really good forecasting by Bean to just understand where the books are headed and how to kind of get in front of that problem. Um, and this is kind of where we lie right now. Like, we got one more year of Greg Rousseau and then you got to figure out like fifth year option. What are we doing there? Um, I mean, he's a good player. I, I don't, I'm not upset with that or anything like that, but it's still, it's just another, another decision to be made at a position that has a lot of issues with depth. And I mean, we saw depth tested this entire year Bro. on the defensive side. And I mean, it honestly was really admirable how the defense played, but I mean, you need depth everywhere. And I mean, it was just an old position, like youngest guys are Rousseau and Oliver, really, that you can depend on. And it's nice that we have Oliver locked up, especially, I mean, truly breakout year from him. Um, mm. It's a shame yeah. that he kind of had, was so ineffective against the Chiefs, because I feel like that's how people are going to remember his season. I mean, it's tough, though, because you look at the Chiefs. Yeah, no one should think about it like that. But if you look at the Chiefs offensive line, like, if you're a defensive lineman, you're going to struggle if you're in the interior. Like, our edges had to eat in that game. They've their, got three all-pro caliber interior offensive linemen. Trey yeah. Smith and Creed and Tooney, they're all sick. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. I think I think NGS has their interior as, like, top or, I guess, fourth fewest pressure rate allowed in the middle three. You nailed it, um, though. Like, the, the tackles were the weak spot. The edges had to eat. And yeah, they, they it's not. just how it had to go. And, I mean... It sucks. I mean, I feel like we really didn't feel Leonard Floyd down the stretch too much this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I, he, he played fantastic. I think he was though. banged That's up. Thing. Some, I'm sure. I mean, he 99% was always... of the league is banged up at this point. <laughs> but he was getting like, there were a bunch of reps down the stretch where he would be like working his shoulder and grimacing or like holding his knee or his mm-hmm. ankle or the rotation would be off of yeah, when he was cycling in. And I'm, I'm so paranoid all the time that I'd be like, he's hurt. <laughs> But, like, he would just be working different things. And, I mean, dude's 31, played a ton of snaps early on. And, like you said, yeah. like, once you get to, I don't know, once you're at, like, week eight, everybody's friggin' hurt. It's just a matter of how hurt are you. Right. I think the tough part, I mean, specifically to stay on Leonard Floyd is, like, he played so well early. 
I, I I don't even know if the Bills can afford to bring him back. Like there has to be money coming his way this offseason because of how well he played early in the season. And honestly, through what, like week 14, 15, something like that. Like it's not like there was some crazy drop off in his production or anything. It's just, oh, it's going to be tough to bring him back and they need to bring bodies back. I mean, D-line definitely needs to be addressed. But I think, we, I mean, I know we've talked about it offline, like, I want a wide receiver and a safety in the first two rounds. Same. I, I want those as, as the first two picks. I would love an edge and a defensive tackle in this draft as well. But like Same. just uh, mixing and matching the opportunity cost of it all and trying to figure out like where you're going to really strike on that return on investment is kind of my biggest issue. Cause I, I look at this game and, Sure, the defense definitely could have been better. Like, I, I have some stats that I have on the defense, but it's kind of mm-hmm. more on a McDermott level for, for those stats. But I, I think I really look at the offense and how little Josh Allen had to work with in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, it was his second lowest air yards per attempt in a game in his entire career, including What, what was his air yards? I know his A dot was like 5.8. What was uh, his air yards? I'd have to it uh one second i have it on one of these tabs here also um, while, while kendall does that i wanted to confirm the bills have nine picks in this draft i know we were uh going back oh, yeah. and forth in the chat with a lot nine, of late ones <laughs> yeah which maybe they can use and trade up and run, yeah run, run, they're run, definitely run. gonna try to get i up. couldn't remember if there was like an added pick from them sent to green bay if it was like a two for one pick and douglas coming back i couldn't remember um but i yeah, looked I it up just uh quick right now um, anyways, yeah, 5.5 air yards per Oof. attempt, uh, which is, yeah, second lowest of his career. Or, I mean, sorry, which also... career. Sorry, second lowest of this season, including the playoffs, which is really funny because the lowest of this season was the Raiders game, which came right after yes. his absolutely terrible performance against the Jets, where he was just chucking it downfield all game. And well, and here's the overcorrection game. Absolutely, but it worked out well because the Raiders were testing him to do that, and he right. balled out doing it. But even in the in that vein. And I'm going to bring up the chart from next gen stats. Like the coverage was dictating the bills running the ball and all these underneath pads. There was a ton of quarters in this game, a ton of cover two, and they were playing the sticks. They were playing back. But like you show again, I mean, we talked about it with his a dot and his air yards. Like there is the passing chart, the spray chart for Josh Allen and forget about, you know, what was completed, what wasn't all of those things. Just look at everything behind the line of scrimmage and five yards and under like, and so you look at that chart and you hear those numbers. It makes absolute sense. Like the chiefs were forcing him to play nickel and dime football the entirety of the game. Yeah, no. And I mean, I know the broadcast said it like bills are missing Gabe Davis and I'm sure the chat doesn't want to hear it or anything like that. But I mean, it, I, I didn't even want to hear it, but at the end of the day, like he is a deep threat and people respect him. And God knows the chiefs of any team are going to respect him more than anyone. Like you have to respect the deep threat. That is Gabe Davis. And who else are you going to respect as a pass catcher getting beyond you other than Diggs? Like there, there is no other person to respect. I mean, and for that reason, you see the spray chart. So yeah, it, it's just tough. And for my money, I, I just, I really want to go wide receiver and, yeah, get some bang for the buck in that in that area and give Josh some more to work with because it's really just Diggs and Kincaid. And every mm-hmm. time Kincaid caught a pass in this past game, they took him off the field. He was playing banged up. That I mean he was wearing that brace or that wrap on that shoulder. You could tell he was starting to feel it yeah. a little bit. When when you're looking at this offseason and you know you already spoke to the wide receiver piece, but is that like 
priority number one? Is that where your head is at? Like, do you think, or I know we talked about safety, we can get into it kind of like in general, but is there, do you have like a checklist of things that you want addressed for this Bills team in this off season? Like, cause my, my whole thing, and I kind of prefaced it on the lead in given the cap situation, which is kind of, kind of exist every year, but yeah. I thought last year was a pivotal offseason. We talked about it a bunch on the show. We talked about it in the film room. Like last year was a pivotal offseason because of what was coming down the pike this offseason. And now this offseason, you've got players exiting. You've got Josh, more Josh Allen's money starting to kick in. You've got the salary cap, you know, gymnastics that you can complete to kind of free up some money. You've got picks coming down the pike. But this offseason was going to be important because of what we saw looming for the defensive line, what we anticipated happening with the safeties, which happened, the wide receiver developments, like there are positional needs in terms of upgrades. There's positional needs in terms of facelifts. Is that where your head is at? Is this something bigger or more philosophical? Like when you think about this off season, like where, where does your head go in terms of like importance, ranking things, like anything and everything? I mean, I, I've always thought this way just because like the prominence of my life as a bills fan has been billed <laughs> via the draft but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this year it's so much more important with like 30 million extra dollars hitting the cap this year on josh allen specifically like this is this is when it starts this is truly the next phase of the franchise and you have to pivot your attention and how you're going to build this roster now that you're officially paying that quarterback like like he's ranked in the NFL. Correct. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's really the draft. And then via the draft, I mean, yeah, there are certain positions that I, I have more, more priority over. Like I've said, wide receiver, safety, either defensive tackle, edge, probably in that order. And then another running back because it's clear. Well, you know, the, the other running back thing, I think needs the caveat of Joe Brady staying. Because um, mm-hmm. if Joe Brady stays, it's very clear that he wants to balance things with James Cook. Like he he definitely enjoys James Cook, but it's clear that his usage of Ty Johnson shows he wants someone to compliment him in some way. And I was not way. thinking like, man, Joe Brady's taking over. You know who was going to get injected into this offense? Ty Johnson. And I mean, we credit- talked about it a little bit after the Broncos game. We did like, and it again, credit to him and also credit to Ty Johnson, who he also, this is very like hindsight, but I remember thinking of it when he left the Jets because there was that year when it was him and Michael Carter as the one-two for the Jets. Right. They both ate. Ty Johnson was like yeah. a legitimate fantasy football contributing running back, and they released him, and then he did, he looked good in the preseason. I remember thinking, like, yeah. maybe he could be something, but like he was, he was legitimately effective as a number two or three, depending on how you view Latavius Murray. I would welcome him back, but I also like the notion of, get somebody in, I don't know, like the fifth or sixth round in the draft. And then you're set for the next like four years or two with paired with cook. And then you can continue to reevaluate, but I'd love what Ty Johnson did. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much where I'm at. And the Hame Hines is back. We'll see how healthy he is. That is true. I I do always forget that, but like the Naheem Hines thing is always, it's been interesting even before the, the terrible incident that happened to him. Like, what is that overlap? Like, what is right. the skill set overlap between him and Cook? And I'm sure a lot of people are upset with with Cook and how many drops he had this year. 
Like, and they were always dropping. in such like input. It wasn't like, oh, he always, dropped one. I'm always like, a potential touchdown. Yeah. Every oh. like gotta be at least 80% of his drops were potential touchdowns. But I think that also speaks to the Brady usage piece, which is he's really good at scheming up running backs in the low red zone 100%. and putting them in position. One hundred percent. But do you want to be paying a Naheem Hines, someone who who wouldn't be paid like a rookie, and mm-hmm. then you would have to find like do you, do you want to pay Ty Johnson a one year deal to to be the complement to Cook? Like the way I see it is, if you're gonna pay Naheem Hines to be the receiving threat, you need to have two rookies as well in that in that room. Which mm. I don't love the idea of that personally. Like. If there's going to be one vet, I want that vet to be so different from the rest. Um, and I, I think yeah, like the idea of having like a hammer, like a downhill right. thumper, like a like a Murray. like an AJ Dillon to pair with a James Cook or something, or someone right. whose skill set is unique enough or different enough that you have a different dynamic presence. The idea of what Latavius Murray was this year, or even he like also overperformed. Like Latavius that. Murray was yeah. tremendous given what he was supposed to be. 100 percent, but but that's kind of my point you see it in bills are electric i he has it as uh 5.5 million is too expensive and i mean yeah, I that's agree. what that's what spot track shows him as of right now james cook's cap hit for 2024 is 1.59 naheem Hines' cap hit as of right now is 5.48 and i'm sure there's probably going to be some moving and shaking with that because of like injury settlements and all sorts of things <laughs> um but yeah i i just think there needs to be one vet to stabilize the room and if it is or isn't Heinz, who knows? Um, and probably two rookies just just for some financial security. J- just yeah. so you know, like, I don't want to do another one and done with Ty Johnson. I like Ty Johnson. I would love to have him back. But, like, I don't want to just have one year of Ty Johnson. <laughs> who knows? We Maybe. It could be the same person. You're never going to know. Also, um, with, with, with Heinz, yeah. if they cut him – or trade him any point pre June first, post June first. They it's only a dead cap hit of five hundred k. They can save four point nine eight million by just saying deuces. And you can, oh, I what mean, a trade, huh? What what a trade, <laughs> bro. Like I, uh, no, it happens. So that's the NFL. Like you, you take a swing oh, yeah. and sometimes you miss. No, hundred percent. And then again, what ha- I would have loved to see him fully integrated into the offense. Yeah. Under even under Dorsey with a full off season, but then right. especially under Brady. But I mean, you know, again, things happen unfortunately for him. Yeah, no, it's tough. But but I mean, that's kind of my thinking with with every position right now. It's it's so everything is so dependent on financial stability yep. by just having rookies that you can lean on for yep. like a lot of contributions they're they're cost effective and if they're also good then you get you get term in addition to that like and that's to your point when you when you're paying a josh allen you need to hit on these other pieces because the quarterback's taking up so much of your cap that you need this cost effective talent that gives you term and quality snaps and the way to do that is through the draft the whole thing is like you look at the chiefs as the case study is like dealing dealing tyreek hill and what they did afterwards to mm. rebuild their defense with youth and how many contributions they got from guys on rookie deals. Like, sure, they spent on Justin Reed to replace on Tyron Matthew, but, like, they move on from their quote-unquote superstars, and they mm. become less star-dependent, mm. but they put more on rookies' plates. And there is obviously a risk, but the mm. reward to that is 
that if you hit, there's a massive return on investment. And on top of that is the potential growth that you could see in the four years or three years of a rookie deal is Mm -hmm. like, it's not, you can't calculate that. Like you have no idea how much someone could grow from year 21 of their life to year 24 of their life. Mm -hmm. And you have them at this fixed cost. That is absolute, an absolute steal and honestly not fair to the player at all, (laughs) but like fair. You compare that to Leonard Floyd and what you what you paid Leonard Floyd this year for one year. And to be honest, he he outperformed that. But now you cannot like you likely cannot get him back at that same price point. He likely outplayed that price point and is going to get paid relative to his production this past year for the next year. You look at like what the 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 Packers are going to do and what they're going to pay Jordan Love. They're paying Mm -hmm. him for what they project him to be into the future. Mm. What you look at Ty Johnson, what you look at uh, Latavius Murray, you look at all these veterans, they're getting paid based on their prior season's production, Mm -hmm. not what they project to be. You know, the projection Mm -hmm. is the past. Yes. So it's just, it's a completely different phase for this team and it has to be through the draft and there need to be more rookie snaps across the board for this team there's no more of this easing rookies into things like it's just a different phase it just has to be more built and reliant on people on rookie deals and you're just gonna have to live with the mistakes and hopefully the growth i think the the aj epinesa leonard floyd conversation is such a good microcosm of everything you said there because it's like okay if you're paying floyd he's going to be 32 when the season starts He's towards the end of his career. He's the better edge player right now than AJ Epinesa, but you're paying him based off of priors. And then it's like, okay, what does he look like going forward? Is he looking for a two year or a three year deal? Does it make it or even longer? Like, does it make sense to sign a player at that age? Or are you paying AJ Epinesa? And again, paying to think, well, you know what? We think he's going to continue on this upward trajectory and we're paying him for more of the projection. And we think he can be, edge three instead of edge four and he still could reach edge two potential like that conversation is such a good microcosm of like that whole piece in terms of what you're playing paying and i think you nailed it like the idea of the and and again i said it before you came on like the reason the defensive line is constantly in this state of flux is because you know, you've got your core, you've got your Ed Oliver, and you've got your Greg Rousseau and Von Miller was going to be a core piece too. the injury threw everything out of whack. But a lot of the dudes have been on, you know, a one-year deal here, like one-year deal for Shaq Lawson, one-year deal for Jordan Phillips, two-year deal for Tim Settle, two-year deal for Daquan Jones, like all these kind of roundabout similar thing that happened with Mario Addison when he came through mm-hmm. and Quentin Jefferson, like kind of dipping your hand, your foot into that pool over and over again. And that's fine. But even if it works, you're still having to go, you know, around that merry-go-round every couple and of years. off-season, you have that's- the same issue. Every single time. Whereas if you invest in the draft and then granted you have to hit in the draft. Yeah. It's a risk. But then that's why I think your boogie point is great. Like I did not like the pick, but man, 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If Boogie also hit, they're in a lot better shape right now it's because you got crazy good foresight by yeah. Bean if that pick hits. Like massive Chumba. foresight. It's cost effective. You've got term at a position of need at, at, a, at a premium position in the NFL plus even more of a premium position, knowing how the Bills value their defense and how they like to build their defense. Yeah, like it's that, that the edge piece and the defensive line conversation is such a good microcosm of everything you said. But if we if we flip it to the wide receiver piece, I guess like let's kind of because I had I had broken down to like multiple spots, but two of the things that I wanted to talk about here were the wide receiver room and mm-hmm. the safety position. Let's start with the wide receiver piece. Um, as of now. And, and again, if we're just looking at who's under contract for the bills at wide receiver in uh, 2024, Stefan Diggs, Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, uh, Justin Shorter. I know they signed KJ Hamler. Like they are, you're, you're looking at, and I'm talking from like a known quantity perspective in terms of what we think, like guys, like not just like, Oh yeah, well like they could Andy Isabella and Tyrell Shavers and guys like this, like the wide receiver room is in a state of flux in general, but mm-hmm. even more so Gabe Davis, whether it's good riddance for people or people are going to miss him, he's not coming back. Um, I, I think he's going to get too much money on the open market. They need to add to this wide receiver room. There are some options in free agency, but a lot of the dudes that fit that high-end wide receiver two, wide receiver one piece are, again, going to be outpriced for the Bills. Like yeah. Mike Evans is going to be too uh, too expensive for people if we're – like I don't, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be too expensive if anybody likes Curtis Samuel. I like the idea of flirting with Tyler Boyd, but I think he's probably going to be too expensive. Like you're probably going to have to nickel and dime in free agency there if you're looking at wide receiver. But like we've talked about in text, like you mentioned here um, earlier, kind of leading into this topic. And I think as everybody in Bills Mafia and really everybody should know if you're an NFL fan, the wide receiver class in this draft is absolutely loaded. But that also presents that conversation piece tying into the other position of needs, which is, okay, do you take a wide receiver at the end of the first round or do you take one in round two or round three as your first wide receiver taken because there's less of a drop off at wide receiver than there is at safety or edge or defensive tackle. And is this a draft where the round two receivers are like the year with Metcalf and McLaurin and Debo, Uh where you can get a stud in round two because it's so deep and there's so much depth to it. And there's so much quality at the wide receiver position coming out of college. I guess let's just talk about that piece. Like, are you, I know we've talked about the idea of safety and wide receiver early on. Let's park 
the safety conversation for the next mm-hmm. topic, which we're going to get into, but let's focus on that wide receiver spot. Like what, what are your thoughts on wide receiver? Do you want to address anything at all in free agency? Do you have anyone in mind or are you focused full steam ahead on the draft because it's loaded lockup term, try to get a wide in Arsenal too. Are you looking for more of a wide receiver too? Are you looking for someone that can be the heir apparent to Stefan Diggs? Is there a specific skill set you're looking for or what are you looking for in a wide receiver to bring in? So I'll hit free agency first because I think there's only one name that I'm actually interested in, and it's Darnell Mooney. Just kind of curious, like, what his price point would be because I feel like his – I feel like it's going to be tough for the NFL to really gauge what that price point is um, because the – Playing in Chicago. Yeah, it's just so hard to evaluate anyone in that offense right now. Um, so I feel like there's a chance that we could get him on the cheap for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like he would probably want to play with an established quarterback and an established offense and established winning culture, like all that stuff. I feel like there's potential for him to take a little bit less to come here versus like, I don't know, go to the Titans for a lot of money. You know what I mean? So right, yeah, for like five years and like 70 million or something. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like there's potential for something like that to happen with a Darnell Mooney just because of what he's gone through in his rookie deal. Um but yeah, if it's too much, it's too much, and my eyes are definitely more so towards the draft. That's just kind of like the one name that I think could slide down mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, admittedly, I have not done a lot of work in terms of the wide receiver class. I know that it's stacked just through the grapevine, um, and I don't know how deep it goes, but hell, if it goes deep enough into the third round like i'm okay waiting the Mm -hmm. the idea of like what am i positioning or what am i targeting skill set wise i feel like it's it is kind of the heir apparent to Diggs in the sense that it's like i don't think Diggs is on the bills in like 2026 i gotta pull up his contract real quick but i think it's yeah, like, I think they move on from Diggs after 2025. So I think we still have two more, like, two good years with Diggs. And mm-hmm. I would like to see if there's a wide receiver drafted now. That means there's two years with Diggs, and there's two years after Diggs. If you draft him in the first round, you also have the fifth-year option in the third mm-hmm. year on the rookie contract without mm-hmm. Diggs. Um, so I'm I'm thinking someone heir apparent to Diggs, but, like, first step is not heir apparent to Diggs. First step is definitely, like, satisfy wide receiver two role i don't think i I, we both love khalil shakir but i don't Mm -hmm. think he's that type of guy i think he's someone that like he serves a very very high contributing role into the offense but it's it's not as like a primary outside threat that's gonna take the top off defenses it's it's not gonna be like that it's gonna be a nuanced position he plays a role he's gonna be moved around schemed up like he can separate in his own way but you know what i mean like he he plays a role and no no, i completely agree like i don't think he's ever gonna put up like wide receiver two numbers i think shakir is gonna be this like high epa per target right meaningful he's gonna have three to seven catches per game but right. each one is going to be for like a key third down or yep. a touchdown or some big chain move in play like he's an impact player but i don't like think he's offensive ever... coordinators are going to love khalil shakir yes. but he's not necessarily going to be like a fantasy football stud exactly um, I think very very fair uh so yeah i like i i love khalil shakir but i don't think he's like wide receiver two he's like a really good high-end wide receiver three in my opinion mm-hmm. um so i i'm really looking at someone who can be a deep threat like Gabe Davis has been, but it needs to be more than just that. It needs to check more than just 
like be physical, be able to block, be able to push downfield and, mm-hmm. you know, stack defenders, go up, catch the ball. Like it, it just, I want a more complete skill set, And that's kind of where the heir apparent <laughs> to Diggs comes in, where it's like Diggs is the complete skill set. He can do it all. I mean, probably outside of blocking, like Diggs mm-hmm. can do it all. He has the complete skill set, And that's what I want. I want a guy who maybe he's not like, top of the class type of wide receiver but you can see him check each box whether it's you know a b minus check mark in each box mm-hmm. but just as long as there is a check in each box and you have room for growth because he's you know 21 years old that, I have, that's kind of the type that i'm looking for i was laughing because i literally have in my notes more of a complete skill set and nice. less of an individual dynamic like i think yeah, that's i don't exactly need another it. role player like exactly you yeah. need another it is an heir apparent to Diggs, but like, that's not what they're needed to do for the first two years. I don't want somebody who's like, well, man, he's got size. And it's like, cool. Like what else? It's like, no, I don't want a DK Metcalf. Like, no, I I don't want a DK Metcalf. And I don't even just want such a weird thing to say. (laughs) I know. Right. Like I don't, but I don't want somebody who is like, well, no, he's got this one A plus thing. And then everything else is murky. Even if that A plus thing is speed. Like I think speed is tremendously important, but yeah, I want, give me somebody who, is a B minus in everything or a yeah. B to an A minus in a bunch of stuff. And that are workable like in, and coachable. Yes. Give me, I, I think that the one trait that I do want, I want speed to be present. I would like a wide sure. receiver too. that. Again, I think putting it in the, there's so many more important things than just 40 time, but to put it in perspective for people for 40 time, like I would like somebody who runs in the four fours closer to the low four fours. Like, if we're talking Madden, I want somebody whose speed is at least a 93, but I'd love my wide receiver two to be like 95, 96 speed. But within that, I want some, I want route running like as that yeah. wide receiver two piece, like so much of what Diggs does is route running based. And obviously like, I'd love a burner and uh, all, somebody who ticks all the boxes, like somebody who can win at the catch point and plays big at the catch point. But I want the guys who can route dudes up. I want someone who has the traits and the physical tools to either be developed into a route runner or who's already showcasing that at the college right. level. Like I want that sync. I want that hip fluidity. I want that ball winning ability that doesn't have to just happen because of size. It could be because of body positioning and understanding how to separate at the catch point with little subtleties. Like, I think, I think you nailed it and again. It's in my notes, like more of that complete wide receiver skill set. Like I think Gabe was fine as a wide receiver too, for what they asked of him. But I think what they asked of him was due to him not having a complete wide receiver skill set. It was a set. limitation thing, which defined his role. And that's why we're both saying, like, we just want a guy that I don't care if he's B-minuses across the board. He's not going to be held back anywhere because offensive coordinators can feel like they can deploy him anywhere. Which is kind of like where we are with Shakir, where I, I feel like Shakir is at least a C-plus everywhere. You know what I mean? Just to yeah, put it in, course. like, a grade place. like. That's kind of the thing. We want a Shakir, but maybe a hair faster, maybe a hair taller, maybe a hair heavier, maybe a hair. You know what I mean? It's just like just one uptick in each attribute in what Shakir is, because Shakir is a complete wide receiver in, in really awesome. every way. It's just that his floor, like that's why he went in the fifth round. Like his floor is just a little bit lower than what is needed for a wide receiver too. Yeah, and I and I think that that longevity piece also speaks to the more complete aspect. Like I would, 
man, if we could, I wish we could go back to a couple years and I'd be like, man, like, like give me, like, give me Johan Dotson. Like, give yeah, me, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Give me, and I know he went higher and is balled out, but like what Olave was potentially, or so like, it doesn't have to be somebody who is your prototypical, like, but to be Julio, fair, Ant, who, that yeah. skill set of Jahan Dotson, like there was a world pre-draft season for that draft where people thought he was going mid twos. Oh, absolutely. Well, right. Do we, so do like we that's kind of the art, right? Like that's the argument where it's like, there is a guy that the bills could trade up in the second round for. That's going to be that type of skill set where it's like, Oh, he's a little slight. He's like five eleven, but you know, he jumps high, runs fast. Like he plays bigger than his size. Like there are definitely some limitations here, but like, he's at least to be across the board. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And if someone put tank Dell in the chat, like there's, Right. Like there's there's limitations in terms of like, oh, there's there's this box that like, oh, the, the height, weight, like that could be a problem. But like turn on the tape, all the technical ability is there. So like it, it's just in terms of everything I said about Khalil Shakir being like an offensive coordinator's dream mm-hmm. that I want another guy like that who isn't going to limit the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think. And the route running piece for me is so important because the route running route running more than speed leads to separation for wide receivers. Yeah. And Josh Allen is not, and I'm not saying this negatively, Josh Allen is not a big anticipatory thrower. He's not somebody. I'll say it negatively. Fair enough. Well, I mean, you love Justin, (laughs) you love Justin Herbert. So it's expected, but like, he's not a big anticipatory thrower. He is like, Oh, I want to see you separate and get open. And then I don't care if I'm done it. Exactly. And I can be late on my throw because I've got 99 throw power and I know I can fit it in there and I'm good to go. What makes it different. Absolutely. And so that separation piece is so important. And time and time again, the best separators in the NFL. Now, granted, some of the best route runners have speed to them, but route running, it takes takes precedent for me over anything and everything. I want somebody who can run that complete route tree. I would put Mm -hmm. that above. That's why I wanted tanked out last year and I know the size was a concern I was sitting here defending him to Joe Marino like I had Joe on the show and we were building our ideal draft and I remember I, my, this my ideal third yeah. round pick was Tank Dell and he yeah. smirked and he was like Anthony huge outlier I was like dude I know but the not tape, only the tape, was it the tape. size but like also his usage at Houston was so weird like it was hard to evaluate him with the way they ha- they deployed him they were just like you know what bubble screen just get it in his hands and mm-hmm. it was like well, what is his route tree? But then you're <laughs> like, watching him. Like I, I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl. I love this comment from Tim, who's lying. Yeah. And it says, "We got St. Brown in the fourth. You can find a job." Oh, what I what I would do for Amon Ross, St. Brown. But that's another oh. thing. Like that's that's the Khalil Shakir type of thing where it's like that guy should not have fallen because people people were so scared of this like high floor type of guy where he he, he was just checking all the boxes, but like he wasn't putting gold stars in each box. Like, that's what we're saying. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. It's Khalil Shakir. It's that type of guy where it's like, we don't need flash everywhere. We just Mm -hmm. need solid everywhere. And then the coachability aspect that allows you to grow. Yeah. And there, again, the good news is, and I'm going to keep banging this drum all off season. Like, I think, I think there's a chance that like, especially if more quarterbacks get pushed into the first round, which I'd absolutely love. But I think there's a chance that one of the potential tier two, tier three wide receivers fall, but I really doubt it. Like all the names, 
like Odunze from Washington isn't falling. Neighbors from LSU isn't falling. Brian Thomas, maybe from LSU might fall. I got to do my tape, my due diligence. I, I love Neighbors and I love Odunze, uh, but I got to do my due diligence tape on all these guys. But there are quality, there's quality to be had in the second round, the way things are shaping up right now. Um, and again, I think this is this is where that conversation comes through of, okay, do you go receiver in the first round or do you take that other position of need because there's more of a drop-off at defensive tackle or edge or safety that there is at wide receiver? And with that being said, well, anything else on the wide receiver position before we switch? No, nah, man. You, yeah, you're good on the segue. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you so yeah, much. You hit it. No, so I mean, much. you hit it. I appreciate it. I, I pride myself. It's hard to tell because I can't see your face <laughs> right, right. to know if done? you're good to go. <laughs> so that's why I was like, let me just make sure. Uh, <laughs> Safety position. So I labeled it facelift for the safety position because, I, I mean, I just thought it was a, a good adage or verbiage with it, but it's a position you mentioned. It's a position. It's my favorite position. Hmm. It's also the hardest position to scout, I feel like. Oh, 100%. You need to watch like eight games just to scout a safety. Yeah. And it's always tough because there's so many reps where like they don't do anything. That's what so I mean that, by eight games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you have to get you like have to that get the game to throw size. away. <laughs> yes, like oh great, like this team, the team they played ran the ball fifty times, and it was no, always I got a better one. I got a better one. Be I got a better one. He's oh man, they they're just playing him at post safety all game, and the other teams just running RPO bubbles. <laughs> Bang, glance route, glance route, free what access. Are we, like, like I have okay. nothing to okay. evaluate here. What He's not even making the tackle because no. the quarterbacks yeah. are making the tackle. I love the arm sleeve he wears super cool. <laughs> like, but even too, like and it's tough. Cause then like, if they don't get targeted, right. Like you have to watch for how are they spacing the route distribution? Like yeah, what, what are the their angles thing. to the ball? It's tough. Like, and, but you're almost scouting your with safeties. I find myself scouting less of the ball production as I am the potential for ball production. Fair. I I'm like, I'm looking at it from, what are your angles to the football? Yeah. Like, do you miss tackles? How do you fit the run? Exactly. What is your positioning? Do you bait the quarterback? Like there are like a ton of checklist pieces from a DB perspective. I guess not even just from like DB, but especially like that safety perspective. Yeah. Like I'm looking at like, what do you do in run support? Like what kind of range do you have? Your, your open field tackling ability, the, the ball skills, like can you function in man? And if you do function in man, who is it against? Like, is it slot receivers? Is it tight ends? Is it running backs? Like where, how far downfield, all these pieces. There's two that I love that are top tier in the draft that I would die for right now. I would also love Antoine Winfield Jr., but he, he he's going to potentially reset the safety market. He ain't coming. But let's talk about the safety position again. You mentioned it. I mentioned it. And I think the big piece with it is Micah Hyde's a UFA. He might even potentially retire the way he was talking. And I know his wife put something out on social media. Like he might be kind of be riding off into the sunset. Uh, yeah, not the sun. You wouldn't want to ride off into the sun. You'd die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, not so, I'm not great. Icarus got too close and his wings melted. Hides a UFA. Jordan Poyer is under contract for next year, but he has a dead cap hit of 2 million. If he gets cut and a savings of 5.47 million, regardless if he's a pre or post June 1st release or trade, it absolutely pains me to say this, but I think we, and I don't think this is a nuanced thought. I think we've reached a point where Hyde and Poyer both have to be moved on from. I think the bills need more juice at the safety position. 
the miles on the tires really started to show for both of them this year, especially from a downhill run fit perspective. It just seemed like a lot of snaps this year where Poyer was just falling off dudes left and right. Yeah. I don't, I don't also don't mind the notion of bringing in a good safety and playing them with Jordan Poyer. Cause when we were talking about this over text yep. last month or whatever, you had a great point of like, you know, you don't want to start two rookie safeties. That's a hard thing to do. And then it's like, okay, who are you bringing in from free agency? All this kind of mixing, but no matter how you slice it, the safety position needs to be addressed for 2024, but also beyond given what they have on this roster. When it comes to that safety spot, what are you thinking this offseason? I so it it is really dependent on the Poyer thing. Um, yeah, like I, I really do want to harp on that. Like I, I just don't think it's wise to to have both safeties. I'm sorry, I like this comment. Just... Ko Mori said Jordan Whitehead, so we can't keep picking picking us off because he always has so many picks against Allen. He does have like a lot of picks against Allen. That's, I think he only fair. had three all year, and all three came in that first game. Of course, the Jets naturally. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it, it really does depend on the Poyer situation. I personally, like you said, I don't want to start two rookies at safety. It's it's a very like high leverage. Position. So, are you bringing Poyer back, or are you bringing in another safety off free agency on like a one year deal? <sighs> See that that sigh is the exact oh, like it's just it's a hard thing. That's the problem. It, it's it's really tough. I think as much as Poyer fell off, I do think keeping him for a year isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, especially in the idea of like handing the torch, just yes. like, I like the, the idea of pairing him with like a first round safety. Like, right. Yeah. So my, my pushback though, is like, I really want to find a Kyle Hamilton type, oh. like a type that can really yeah, just only. move around and do everything. But I worry there is a little bit of redundancy there with Poyer. Like I don't want Poyer playing post safety. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if, now. that's what I mean. And, and I don't want, if I'm drafting a Kyle Hamilton type, I don't want that guy playing post safety all the time. So you kind of want to use the, him. Like you want to use him like in a Jack of all trades. Like chess we piece. use Jordan Poyer. Like how, you know, what's super funny, how someone said this on Twitter. So this isn't mine. The Ravens, like, or, or well, I think it was Kyle Hamilton is what everybody thought Isaiah Simmons was going to be. A one hundred percent. That's such a perfect labeling. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, Bills are electric. Says he was the fourteenth pick. I mean, I want the type of player, the archetype, yes. not necessarily the high draft capital. Um, I'd use a first round pick on the safety for no, two specific ones. I will. I'll, I'll keep one hundred for now. But yeah. no, 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 no. But that's kind of the point. Like, I would use the first round pick on on uh, whatever safety it takes. 
Um, the point is, is I, I kind of want that archetype. That's the physical guy. You can move him into the slot. You can play him in the box. You can rush him off the edge. You can play him at post. You, you can, you can play him anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I want that type of safety. Um, I do think there are guys that could be had later. I mean, like Jeremy Chin, like he Bro. was not drafted in the first round. I know you have a thing for Jeremy Chin, Bro. but like, but... that's the point. Yes. It's like those guys, especially, especially those type of safeties, those type mm. of safeties are trying to make their way into the mainstream the past like two three years now so they're just starting to move up draft boards in in my opinion so you can find them in my opinion in rounds one through three it's harder to find the high quality ones past that but that's the type i want if poyer comes back you gotta look at the more traditional like free state free safety Mm. type of guy The, the guy that's just nails in zone coverage like he just knows how to space things and he knows how to play the ball in the air uh quick closing speed all that kind of stuff so it it really does depend on the first domino falling Mm. and and how you want to address that first domino that is jordan poyer that's a fair point and i i'm okay with poyer coming back especially if you're pairing him with like a, a a day one or day two safety that is kind of going to take that torch and then you go from that spot right and again i too there's also the other side of the conversation which is you know looking at jordan poyer and looking at micah hyde becoming arguably the best safety tandem in the nfl both did it as under the radar signings like Mm -hmm. micah hyde was more high profile than poyer but not a high profile signing like he was a slot corner safety punt returner at green Bay that the Bills sign. And people were like, Oh, I guess he's going to play safety. Now we'll see how that works out. And Poyer got signed and everybody was just like, who cares? Who? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> the dude was hurt. He played for the Browns. The Browns suck, like whatever. So there is something to be said for taking a late safety or taking somebody from the free agency scrap heap and turning them into something more like we've seen. I mean, dude, you and I have talked about all the time, like what Sean McDermott has done or what Bill's DBs have done under Sean McDermott and in his tenure, like Trey going from like a late round CB to becoming an all pro. Taron Johnson was a fourth round pick who became an all pro Hyde, um, Poyer, Christian Benford, Levi Wallace. Like, even if you don't like Dane Jackson, the fact that they took a seventh round corner and made him a, a solid, like CB three and a depth guy, like well, the success rate they've had. So it goes to both conversation pieces of like, okay, well just, put low resource allocation in that position and you can shine up anything and make it shiny. But then the other conversation is, yeah, but what if you do like invest in that position monetarily or with draft capital, what can you turn that position or that person into? And what can you do? I love that you mentioned Jeremy Chin. He's going to be on my free agency watch list all year. The one thing that is interesting though, and I poked around a couple of Panther sources during the year about it. Cause he, this year and even, um, last year to a degree as well he stopped playing like last year he was still kind of jack of all trades but more of his snaps were spent in the box and as yeah. like an apex than yeah then as a deep safety but he still had last year 179 deep safety reps he got hurt last year so 179 uh deep safety reps 284 in the slot or the apex and 174 in the box this year again got banged up he only had two deep safety snaps he had 107 box snaps 143 slot corner snaps 
kind of got phased out of the rotation in Carolina. I don't know what, and I haven't, I know what he was coming out, and I know what he was his first couple years in Carolina, which was kind of, and I don't want to make this comp, but kind of like Troy Palamalu-esque. Like, he mm-hmm. was everywhere. He was deep. Mm-hmm. He was a linebacker. He was apex. He would cover down on tight ends. He'd blitz. Like, you could use him anywhere and do anything. I still believe he's that guy who can play a deep half safety and play a post safety role. But then if it's him and Poyer, is that a little too redundant? Yeah, why was he fear. just, yeah. Why was he just a box safety guy? Like, and kind of got penned into that. Like, and it's also too, not like everybody was hemming and hawing. Like, man, they're really misusing Jeremy Chin. But for what he could be, I would, I would love to kick the tires on Jeremy Chin. Again, I need to watch the tape on him from this year and really and last year too and really see if he can still be that deep safety piece. But if we're looking at free agency, I'd love Chin, and I think he could be on the cheap, well, relatively cheap, given you know how his time ended in Carolina. Outside, 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 outside chance at Kyle Duggar, but I think he's gonna get paid. Yeah, that um, was the other type of guy that that fits that archetype that can kind of move around. Yeah, and I love what he does. But I think he's going to get paid and probably priced out. Winfield is like my top tier pipe dream, it's but again, not like, no, yeah. I think he's going to get paid in a way that either potentially resets the safety market or at the very least is top tier. Like I don't know if he's going to get Minka Fitzpatrick money, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had something that was like the most guaranteed. Like he doesn't have the highest AAV, but he got the most guaranteed money or some piece like that. He's an all pro. He's been solid year after year. Um. I really, from a draft perspective, there's two that I love. One's going to be at the Senior Bowl, even though he's not a senior. So Cam Kitchens from Miami and Tyler Newbin, the safety from Minnesota. I would take either of them at the back end of the first round right now as things have shaped up. I've what seen a ton of their type of guys are each. Well, let me pull up my. Let's go. He's, he's got notes. I he's do have got my scouting notes. notes. I absolutely go. do have my scouting notes. You know me. I'll have, I don't know why I closed. I closed out my scouting doc. Yeah, that should never be closed. Those should always be working. It's always open, but I had like 95 (laughs) windows open earlier, like in all these tabs. And I was like, this is, it was giving me so much anxiety. Um, All right. So we'll start with Tyler Newbin. So what's nice with Newbin is the range that he has, but also paired with the size. He's six foot two, 210 pounds. Okay. And you see it like he's your prototypical communicator, quarterback of the defense, He's got really good peripheral vision. He reads the quarterback's eyes. He closes and triggers. Like, he's got good – he's got prototypical size. He's got the range. He's got ball skills. He has uh, 13 interceptions for his career, which is the record for Minnesota. He's out there making, like, diving interceptions. He's jumping routes. Um, So what are we talking alignment-wise? Like, where – Post safety, post safety, single high. uh, So this is – that's ability. What about usage? Like, is it truly a mix in terms of how he gets used? Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, they, based on what Minnesota did, like he was getting a little bit of both. Like he's playing single high and cover one and cover three, getting a bunch of split, split field work and cover two and cover four. Also boundary safety because he's really good at fit in the run, but he can also play, he plays wide side from a range perspective and from a fit the run perspective. Okay. He's a sure tackler coming forward. You can also walk him down. He can man cover versus um tight ends he will get misled from time to time like i think diagnosing like i think almost like he gets blinders on and in 2022 this happened more than 2023 but he would like lock in on what was happening in the backfield and then would get cracked 
and like taken out of the play. He got his head more on a swivel in 2023, but he, both him and Cam Kitchens, Kitchens I'll talk about in a minute, but both of them are your, their first round safety prospects or like early second because they can kind of do anything. You want to play him in the post? Cool. You want a man cover somebody, a tight end, a running back? Cool. You want them to fit the alley or fit the run? Cool. You want them to play deep? Cool. You want ball production? Cool. They each like Newbin also actually both of them have a little bit of edge to their game. Like Newbin's had a couple of hits that are borderline late and he's just burying dudes. Like he, he loves to play over the top on crossers and let the quarterback throw it and then just absolutely Mm. murder whoever the wide receiver is. Um, That may not fly at the next level. No, the hill get flagged more. Um, My, my only, my one big thing is I'd like him to play a bit more with his size when it comes to him playing the run, especially as a force Mm. player, like at six, two, again, how this is what they're listed at, but at six, two, two, 10, I would like my safety to be more of a tone setter in terms of being a force player on the edge or a box player on the edge. Not that he's not, but I think he could get better there. Not to the level that his size suggests. Yes. But considering how good his range is, like, Okay, work on this one thing because everything else is almost really makes solid. you wonder if he's mislisted, if he's moving faster than his size suggests, and he's playing less physical than his size suggests. Could be. It's a fair point. Um, Cam Kitchens on the other aspect from Miami, safety from Miami. He is the opposite. He's listed at six foot two oh five, but he plays like a tank. Um, and my Miami's defense last year and this year so fun to watch. Like they're so attack minded, like really leverage based. They're blitzing. They're doing all this stuff. He is, everything is impact. He's physical at the tackle point. He hits like a freight train, but he's also got good form similar to the Newbin though, split field, post safety, look open size closed. It's a little different though, from a coverage perspective than Newbin, like Newbin is playing. I don't want to say NFL coverages, like kitchens isn't but newbin is more of oh they're playing cover one oh they're playing cover three or they're cover two cover four miami's defense is very much like we're throwing all these crazy blitzes and we're trying to rotate out of it based like we're, we're matching mm. off of fire zone coverages because we're blitzing this and we're doing this so it's a little i'm actually gonna ask Manny. him a bunch about it yeah and so it's very like but w- which, which also works because the bills play a bunch of match coverage right, right, so right. him having that ability um, oh it's encouraging yeah, it, it, both of these dudes are first, I think, first-round caliber safeties, back end of first round, early two. Like, I don't think either of them are there for the Bills with their second-round pick. Like, so if you're going to get one of them, you have to get them at the end of the first. Maybe one goes earlier. Like, I mean, testing is always so, so important. Like, if if one of them comes out and runs, like, a low 4-4 four four or a low 4-5 for a safety, that's like, oh, my God. Like, well, and, I mean, safeties tested so badly last year. So the safety class badly. last year was awful. My favorite safety was Chris Smith from Georgia, who, like, I really loved how he played. And then people were like, oh, where do you have him projected? I was like, the fourth round. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it just wasn't a good class. There's more, I think, more depth overall to this class, especially if, you know, Cooper DeGene, the cornerback from Iowa, who people project the safety a little bit, depending on where you throw him in there, he kind of functions as that Kyle Hamilton piece um, that you were talking to, ironically. But yeah, he played, with, he played primarily corner this year, but he, he played only played last corner. year. I actually let me. I charted every Iowa snap last year. He played mostly safety or slot last so year. this year i'm on pff right now this year he 
600. So he had 872 snaps. 630 were an outside corner, 23 it's in the slot, 23 in the box, and then 28 on the defensive line as a blitzer. He had one actual safety snap, like free safety snap. Last year, no, last year was the same thing. 500, really? 553 wide corner, 140 slot, 91 in the box. Um, that's what I thought, because in my head I was like, he's never, he's never played like safety, but he's 6'1", 207, He's thick. I have to actually like watch yeah, his tape. Yeah, I wonder. I I would implore you to watch early twenty twenty two Iowa because I know they had some injuries and they moved him. They Around. moved him to corner as they got more injured on the secondary last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure he started the year. Iowa plays their safeties in a really weird way too. Um, Iowa as a team pisses me off. Every year they have no offense, like, and they always have <laughs> a really a, good team. That's like a five-hour discussion. Bro, every year. And then they have one good player. It's like, man, they got Sam Laporta. What about the rest of the offense? Yeah. It sucks. And right. then they always have this really good defense. And yeah. every year they go to the Big Ten Championship, and their defense yeah. does well, but they lose yeah. like 20-3 to three because yep. they have no offense. Like I'll take their punter, too. Oh yeah, you can crank it. And I'll take Cooper DeGene as a punt returner. He's electric with that. But yeah, there's there, there's so much with the conversation, like, and again, there's there's so much to be had for I'm early in the, the the draft process. I know you are as well. And there's so much to the evaluation process going forward. Like we gotta see these guys at their pro days, at the combine, at the senior bowl, wherever else they test and and get to kind of show their medal and what they do. But I think there's an opportunity for the bills to go safety in the first round. And there's obviously dudes that they can nail like second, third round. It's just a different skill set piece. I like, got a weird workaround question for you. Oh, I like it. Is there anyone on the bills roster currently that's not listed at safety that you would be excited about thinking to move to safety? Is this like a, like Cam Lewis, Christian Benford question? It's not even like a specific do you, do, person. Do you have an answer? Not really. I just kind of have thoughts. Like I, I, I have like, if I had, what to... about Teron Johnson? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's I just, just like thoughts, not necessarily. Oh, I would do this. It's so tough because the, the way you see the game is drastically different. Oh my God. So much, so much more to process. Absolutely. Oh. Like, and how you your angles, everything. yes, your angles to everything are completely different like how you're coming up to fit the run, not even just from a responsibility perspective, literally just the vantage point from which you see and process. So it's a hard thing. If I had, if I had to have, like, if you told me, Anthony, you have to take a corner and move them to safety on this team. I don't even know if I'd want it to be Taron Johnson was just an all pro slot. Like, so I I want to move him like, and I like what, Benford does it corner. I'm not moving any. I know everybody says Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam, no, can't tackle. No, he can't tackle, so it and doesn't make sense. He he did a little bit against Pittsburgh. Like he stepped up a bit after he got trucked by Fryermuth. But man, like I, I don't see that working because of how Kyrie tackles and plays the run. I don't see that working at safety. Benford, I think, would probably be the best. Yeah, like, but he's fit. like. Kind of the starting corner dude, right no, now. Not even kind of like he is CB two <laughs> on this team. I and it's a real conversation next year, depending on how Trey White comes right, back. Right. What? Do you what? Do? It's Trey, Rasul Douglas, and Christian Benford. You have three legitimate starting corners. Like, yeah. and I think corner is more premium than safety. So I'm not moving 
Benford. Yeah. Like I'm not moving Benford. I'm not moving Douglas. I'm not moving Trey. If I had to move somebody, it would be Benford. But again, I'm also not because no, he's it doesn't a make legit sense. CB2. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't have any of those. It was really, I think, between. I think it was really. I guess it was a Taron Johnson question. I think. I think maybe it's a Taron Johnson question relative to the slot corner class, right? Like, mm. do you want to reset the slot corner and move him back? It's hard I, to find a good. Slot I didn't even there. know that as I was asking it. By the way, <laughs> I like how you like you kind of like workshopped it as it went through. I, yeah, it like really he, was. And it's also like Taron plays such. I think the slot corner position is tremendously important in so the important NFL this, and the teams that defense too. This defense, yes, absolutely. And teams that have really good slot corners, like the Chiefs, like the Bengals, like the Bills, um, like what the Colts have done for a bunch with Kenny Moore. Like I know he had a down year this year, but like when you have a legit apex, I mean, there's also a reason. Yeah, the Rams took Jalen Ramsey and made him that that apex, that quote-unquote star position was just a fancy way of saying he plays slot. Like, yeah. there's a reason they put him in there. When you've got now, now here's an interesting, no, see, I was going to say, the interesting one, I was going to be like, now, if you want to take Taron Johnson and move him to safety because you want to play big nickel and put Jeremy Chin as your apex or See, your and slot, this is kind of what I meant by, like, there are different ways Why not ways just play Chin at safety? Right, right, right. <laughs> It's just interesting but it's because of the defense. I know, right? It's just interesting because of the defense the Bills play, and there's only two linebackers on the field most of the time. Like, if you want that movable safety, you're only moving him so you can get into a one-eye shell. You're not moving him to play slot corner. You're, you're just moving him to take a safety away from deep. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Like you're just moving him closer to the line of scrimmage to fit the run. That's all you're doing. True. And now I'm, I want to grab this real quick from Steve who said, so what do you do when other teams go heavier, always stay nickel? Yeah. Or you bring I mean, in that's a third what they linebacker. Do now. That is what they do now. <laughs> or you bring in a third linebacker to replace Taron. But I think the, the bigger thing is teams don't go heavy like that. So like it might happen. Hey, I will say the Chiefs had eight runs with 13 personnel this game, 10 yards per carry. Oh, absolutely. 10 that, yards per carry and 13 huge, personnel this week. You know, bro, you don't have to tell me. It was one of my our matchup things with me oh, and yeah. Matt, Matt Lane from the KC Sports Network on last week's episode. Like, Smart play that, when there's only four linebackers. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But also within that, that was very much like an oddity. Like teams don't run a ton of 13. Teams don't go a bunch of heavy. And even no. that, right? Like the, the Chiefs did it a bunch in that game, quote unquote. And it was how many reps? Eight. Like 
eight team, runs, yeah, but they were 24%. Oh, they passed a bunch out of it. Yeah, like, 24% you, in the game. Teams don't go super heavy like that. And if you get matched up like that, that's fine. But you also have to, you kind of have to play the numbers. Like you can't be yeah. like, well, we have to build our defense because what if teams go heavy? But it's like no, the odds of that happening are smaller. Yeah. Now here's a bigger galaxy brain conversation like we're getting to. If <laughs> you want to go to, if you take Taron Johnson and you want to move him, if you say you bring in Jeremy Chin, then you go to this, you start to move Free towards safety. this defense or just this yeah, positionless defense where you don't know who is it single high. Is it too high? Who's playing safety? Who's the apex? Are they blitzing? The Are is, they and this man? is kind of why I'm asking because the bills drops Johnson into a deep half, a deep third regularly as yeah. is, especially, especially when they would run those Tampa two robber looks and That's Hyde would drop as the robber. And yeah, 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 yeah. like they're already doing it. So like, mm-hmm maybe you don't call him a safety like he's still playing the same position so i i guess i'm asking a stupid question to begin with because no i think they're it's a already super fun doing conversation it. we could do a whole episode on just like the positionless idea but then you really then oh man 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 i got another one too what bro what if you sign duggar and chin right and this is what, what I mean. are you just doing lean all the way into it and it's just it when you're running zones like the rotation combinations are endless absolutely endless and the disguise no no pun intended for the name of the show the the potential to disguise coverage bro it's endless it's truly endless endless. but yeah it's very very unlikely that the bills get duggar and chin the name i just went through the free agents the name i'm actually kind of looking at that i want to do some film work on is um ashton davis Oh, from the dude from Cal who played for the Jets? The Jets, yeah. He kind of he kind of dropped off. He never really got a chance with the Jets. I think he got injured a little bit and he definitely got, got his, He his started, though, for a couple taken. years. I want to say he started early, got injured, and then I think he started a couple of games this year, but, like, in spots. Lost out to Tony Adams or whatever. Yeah, that was – I can't believe Tony Adams is a starter now. I did I late know. work on him last year. I was like, this dude's an athlete. Dude, I don't know if he's um, got it, though, and now he's got it. The Jets guy who I had on for week one, who also does, like, a, col- a ton of college football stuff, like, the person he was most excited to see this year was Tony Adams it's because wild. of, like, everything he was doing in camp and everything he did in the preseason. I was like, damn, Tony Adams. And, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like – I can't believe he st- – he was a sleeper I was afraid to talk about. That's funny. Yeah, but dude was all like Tony Adams, Tony Adams, and I was like, oh okay, and like he made some plays here and there. He actually made some, a couple of plays the previous season too. Um, yeah. The safety conversation is so fun though. Like, and again, I think that's kind of why I labeled it like facelift for the safety position. There's a lot of directions you could go in. You could maintain the status quo. You could bring in two new starters. You could draft early. And when I say early, I mean day one or day two. You could draft late. You could do some free agency spending. You could also do different things schematically based on what you're looking for. Like, there's a lot of good potential for what can happen at this position because traditionally, you really don't have to come out of pocket for safeties. Like, look at what C.J. Gardner-Johnson yeah. signed last year. Uh, one Six year, year really. Bro, like, you could even – I wanted him super bad last year on the Bills defense. I take him again this year. I don't think he's going to sign another one-year deal, low money. Maybe he does, though, because he got injured this right. year, and there's that inconsistency. Plus, he's kind of maybe a psychopath. Who knows? Yeah, but I think there's probably a light way of saying it. Right, a little bit, yeah, just kind of be nice with it. But there's hey, a he's a tone center. He, but that's what I – like, I wanted more juice physically yeah. and juice from an edge and a bite perspective. And yeah, he, he, play, he plays fast, and he gets – 
in dudes' faces, and he's a difference maker mentally yeah. and physically. And also, I like from a match coverage perspective, he's but he's also in that mold like post safety, split look, slot. You want him to blitz? You want to play apex? It's endless possibilities with him too, and and that's really I think when I said Kyle Hamilton. What I meant was positionlessness, but the mm-hmm. thing with Kyle Hamilton, the thing with like the Isaiah Simmons failure experiment, like all of it is in this, this like tweener body. Right. And I, I, think, I think that's what I was hoping for, but it doesn't need to be that. No. And I know what you meant, but I also think like Isaiah Simmons failed. Be- I think Detroit or Detroit, Arizona failed Isaiah Simmons. Like well, they put Arizona him at- failed everyone on that defense. Fair. They put him at linebacker, and I think that yeah. screwed him up. Like they should have let him be a safety monster man, Romer type of dude. They didn't. They were like, oh yeah, let's take him and put him at off ball linebacker, which he didn't play the majority of at Clemson. That screwed him up. Like, and but there is something to be said for that idea. And and Hyde and Poyer at their peaks were both in that mold of, you know, quote unquote positionless. Like they came along, the Bills were at the forefront mm-hmm. of that movement where it was it wasn't free and strong safety anymore. It was just safety. You had guys who could, because in their prime, Hyde and Poyer, they could both play in a split safety look. They could both play in a post safety. Granted, Hyde was more of the post guy and Poyer was more of the box, you know, buzz safety kind of dude. But they could do either. They could cover down on tight ends. They could cover out of the slot. You could pick up running backs. You could do all these things. There is something to be said for that. And I think if you're looking at, like Baltimore is a, a bit of a unicorn defense, but how they're built defensively, mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from that Kyle Hamilton because like, oh, cool, he's lined up in the slot. Is he going to cover the slot? Or like, is he going to drop and play split field? They've also done stuff too where Kyle Hamilton lines up in the slot and he ends up as like the post safety in like cover three or like they blitz and it's a, you know, it's a fire zone and it's like three, three behind it. He's the post or he's matching or he's carrying like, but to your point, you can only do that with a specific body type and or skill set. And I think those body types and skill sets exist to a degree, maybe not to the level of Kyle Hamilton because he's tremendous, but like exist to a degree in free agency in potentially the higher end of the draft. Again, like I think Kinchins and Newbin are two of the better safeties that have come out in recent years. Like we haven't had true first round safety prospects in a draft like in a couple, especially compared to last year, but I feel like the past couple of years and again, even the free agencies, like I, I would love the idea of Jeremy Chin in this defense. Again, I, I want to grind the tape and make sure like, is, can he still play safety safety? Can he still play a single high, like post safety middle of the field? Can he still play as, you know, a cloud safety over the top or in quarters or like, why did he just get moved to the box? I still think he has that in him. Like, I don't think that just goes away. And if anybody can get it out of him, it's Sean McDermott. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I uh through this whole conversation, I think I've I think I've pivoted to draft safety in round 1. Welcome. Yeah, Welcome. I think I've I think I've pivoted. I, I feel like cool. It's nice and Cooper, warm. Cooper's definitely going to go in first round. There's so much hype around him. Oh, Cooper did right? you right? Like Absolutely. I I I mean, whether it's he, safety or corner, like whatever he's scouted as, I feel like the hype around him is already he, real. What I also think is going to happen too, I think oh well He's injured. Well, he got injured. I don't know how that's going to carry into draft sure, season. Yeah, that's a big thing. But always, I imagined he was going to test very well. Yes, and I think that was going to push him further. People were going to see him jump out of the gym. People were going to see him run 
everything he was going to hit everything a good 40 a good 20 a good short shuttle a good three cone like he was going to hit a bunch of measurables and then you put on the tape you know the defense he comes from you see the body type and the skills i mean he's listed at 61207 he's electric as a returner like yeah i think he's a first round dude i just need to I haven't watched him. I've watched him on broadcast a bunch. I've seen Iowa, but I need to like watch the tape tape to see. Cause also too, like he was a really good corner. So why not just leave him? He's, and I've heard a couple people say this. I feel like he's in that Jalen Ramsey conversation Mm. where people were like, Oh, Ramsey can be a sick corner or a sick safety. You can do whatever. And I always remember hearing the Ravens were going to take Ramsey and make him a safety but the Jags took him and put him at corner. And it was that conversation of like, well, his body type and skill set. And then it was like, yeah, but he really only played one. So why would you move him to the other? And it was like, well, corner is a premier position. And he kind of had it like flipped here. Like corner right. is more of a premium position than safety. Cooper DeGene already plays corner and he plays it well. And this isn't like, not to compare him to another white corner from Iowa. This isn't like a Riley Moss situation where you're like, oh, that dude can kind of play football. No, like Cooper DeGene plays well at a premium position. Mm -hmm. And if he tests well, that's fine. I also think it's hard to do that projection game of being like, yeah, like this dude's a a, a big corner. Let's move him to safety. And it's like, but he's good at corners. Well, it goes to your positionlessness thing, though. Like you have another guy like that. And it's like, well, you can still just do more. Like, it just allows you to do more, whether you're calling him a safety or not. You put him on the field, and you can just do more as a defense in terms of what you're disguising. Man, so, okay, so here's what we're doing. We are, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're signing Duggar and Chin and then drafting Cooper DeGene. No, 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 no that's, that's too, we, we, nope. there's not enough nope. money. There's not enough care. money. We can't no do one's going to know it's who plays be, what. No, it has to be Duggar or Chin. Nope, it's both. <laughs> it's Duggar or Chin. Cut Allen, sign Duggar, <laughs> sign Chin, draft Dejean, positionless football on defense, then re-sign Ty Johnson, draft a running back, put that running back in a quarterback, triple option football, <laughs> a.k.a. positionless football. Tell uh, me how that doesn't work. I can't. can't. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. I lost you about like five transactions in. <laughs> yeah way yeah no but i i honestly i the big thing to me right now is still jordan poyer like i think i'm first step is obviously free agency just in terms of chronological order you figure out who can you get on the cheap i think those are the first two guys that you're looking at you're looking at duggar and chin and whoever is interesting because i feel like he could get paid but i also feel like he could he could absolutely get he could absolutely get looked over people could just be like no he's a linebacker that bill belichick just knew how to use and his you know what's funny is his um his i mean not that like spot track and over the cap and all these pieces are necessarily like the end all be all oh do they have a market value on him yeah his market value is only 10.9 per year which would pay him as safety six but Micah Hyde was making like 9.5 as a cap hit last year so it's not too far off from what they had with Hyde already granted I think uh Chin is going to be significantly cheaper but like that's I think not a horrible the, price for Duggar in my eyes you go for the cheaper guy just in the life cycle of the team like you, you oh fair and I like Chin more so guy. like I mean you don't have to 
So, yeah, I'm no, not going to pull your arm about that no. one. Oh, man, I, I can only get Jeremy Chin. That sucks. Like, But, like, oh, I think I think what I'm thinking is you go for the cheaper one of those two. If you get one, you cut Poyer, and then you draft a safety. I think that's that's my preferred option. If you can't get either, then you keep Poyer and draft a safety. I, I think that's where I'm leaning right now. I am. The safety market in terms of free agency, I'm interested to see, like, because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is on it. Antoine Winfield is on it. And then there's all these other, like, Jordan Whitehead, um, Darnell Savage, Mike Edwards, Tashawn Gibson, um, Xavier McKinney, Winfield, but he doesn't count. He's in his own thing. Like, Rap like, is on there. Chin, McKinney's there's all these, gonna like... going to get so much money. Like, you think? I, 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 I think McKinney's going to get more Damn. than Duggar and Chin. His market value is 10.6, so a little under what Duggar's is right now. But the fact really? that that's funny that they're in the same ballpark because I would take Duggar 10 out of 10 times over Xavier McKinney. I would take all three of them happily. Okay, so let's take all three. Draft Cooper DeGene. Where are we going wrong? Why won't you join me in this? More safeties. <laughs> All safety defense. That's who it. Needs, who needs linebackers? They just get injured. No. Yeah, they just let you down by getting hurt. And also, what was Matt Milano? <laughs> Former safety. I know, Boom. right? Look at who's playing what. You, you know what? Drop Terrell Bernard as a deep safety. He's only 220 pounds. <laughs> let him play. Yeah, who cares? No, no one but like, who's doing anything. It's funny because we're half joking. Like, there is some... Actual intrigue in what we're saying. Like, obviously, we don't want to sign four safeties and just absolutely no. go to cap hell for the next five years. But getting these these guys that are tweener linebacker safeties and just getting more of them with already tweener linebacker safeties playing linebacker, mm-hmm. like it, it just creates this athletic defense. Granted, it'll probably be hard to stop the run. Well, but so that's, that's, that, what that's the, the trade off. Then, <laughs> then you get to a Dallas Cowboys defense situation yep. where yep. you Bell have to win. <laughs> Correct. And you have to win your one gap and you have to penetrate. And if not, you're going to get gouged because you are outweighed heavily. Like, I mean, but again, the bills aren't going to be in a situation where, you know, Marcus Bell is playing starting linebacker, like at that size. Right. But, right, right. but I, I think that's, that's the risk you run. And that's what happens to, these teams do that, but there is something to be said. I mean, like I was going to say, like you can do that, but then like, look, the Patriots kind of moved to that, right? Like they're playing mm-hmm. with three safeties on the field all the time. And at a minimum, <laughs> yeah, at a minimum, like you don't know, like who's dropping. Is it Mills? Is it, uh, what well, last year? Like, was it McCordy? Was it Duggar? Like who's doing what, who's doing this? But then you look at how their defensive line is built and the, who are their linebackers? Like Jelani Tavai and Jawan Bentley, who are both right. two thumpers. So, you have to change. You have to be able to fit that run somehow, some way. And if you're going to go with this, like amalgamation of safeties on defense and this positionless piece in the secondary and on the back end, you have to have thumpers somewhere at the linebacker spot, which they wouldn't, but the idea is still present. Again, they're not going to do, we're having fun with that conversation, but I think there is merit to the core idea of it, which is do you take that safety position and move it more towards not necessarily positionless, but more towards a blending of tweener skill set or body frames so you can play further into the idea of changing the pre-to-post-snap picture on a quarterback and making them think, okay, that guy, sometimes he's at the apex, sometimes he blitzes, sometimes he drops, he can man cover, he can do it. 
similar to the wide receiver conversation. This guy is a B minus at everything. Mm -hmm. So I have to respect him doing anything because he can do a bunch. Yeah, no. And I mean, let's be honest. So much of the bills coverage is dictated on that pre post snap change. So why not lean into it? I'm for it. I'm for it. Give me Jeremy. Oh man. I really, I've been waiting for this off season for so long. Just Jeremy Jeremy Chin to become available. (laughs) <laughs> like I just think he fits again in I want to see what he can do from that post safety and deep field safety yeah. perspective but oof, like he and it's such a weird thing like he he balled out like the, granted the Bills won the game but when the Bills played Carolina two years ago uh two years ago yeah two years ago he balled out or three years ago two years ago figure I don't out. know <laughs> I can't remember but he was like he was make it he was jumping routes and he was he was doing Troy Palomalo things where like he was supposed to like play this zone but he read what Allen was doing and just went rogue and made a play and got a PBU and almost had a pick like he was doing all this crazy stuff that again he'd have to be reined in a little bit but man his skill set is so fun but there's an opportunity there again like you've got the idea of going early dipping into the free agency pool I think the good news is because of McDermott's track record with the position even if they don't allocate heavy resources, even if it's not some sexy safety name and free agency or an early draft capital investment, there is something to be said for being like, eh, you know what? It'll probably help McDermott will make it work. He's done it before. He can do it again. Like, I, I think that's a fun uh, little piece. Do you have anything on the safety pieces before we move on to one more topic? Nah, nah, we're good. Do you have anything in specific you want to speak about before I bring up this other topic? Um, how was the chat on Sean McDermott slash Josh Allen? Just more of a temperature question. I, um, like not too much on Josh minutes. Allen. More focus on Sean McDermott and whether or not he's peaked and whether or not he can be the coach to win the Super Bowl and kind of divided, kind of just back and forth conversation. Okay, then we're good because that's honestly where it is. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to say it's kind of status quo as it's been. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The last piece I want to talk about, and it's not anything too in-depth, I just think a positive from this year is the year two players who took Mm. jumps in their game. So obviously Dalton Kincaid doesn't count, but I think he had a good rookie year. But what the Bills got this year from Terrell Bernard kind of growing into the brain of the defense, Christian Benford becoming a legitimate CB2. And honestly, like I still think Christian Benford is trending up. Like I don't think he hit his ceiling. Like He, in theory, should still get better. What you got from James Cook, again, I think the Pro Bowl is worthless, but the fact that he got invited to the Pro Bowl straight off rip is a testament to the stats that he put up. And that just that level of production, again, I think Brady helped out, but he was on a good track even under yeah, Dorsey. Yeah. Like, he had a good year. And that what we got from Khalil Shakir this year, like those four, I think, really highlighting. We, we've talked about before – the core of this team as okay. Like you had to pay Edmonds or Oliver. Who do you pay? Okay. It's Oliver Edmonds is gone. Poyer and Hyde are getting a little older. Trey's been banged up. Like what is your core? And if you looked at who the bills have paid, it was like, okay, the core is Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Matt Milano, Taron Johnson, then Von Miller kind of, but it was like, if you're looking at your young guys to kind of be that core and lead you into the future, who is it? And I think these four have proven that they have core potential if they're not already a significant part of it. And then they also fit into the conversation we had earlier, which is hitting on players in the draft who give you 
cost-effective control and quality production at the same time. And those four just took a big jump this year, and I think they'll be integral to the success going forward, obviously. But you do have to build and stack on top of them because I don't think them individually are enough to kind of push this team over the hump. Yeah, it's it's really Cook, Bernard, Shakir, and Benford, and they they all really took that step. I, yeah. I got to say, like, looking at it, though, the cost control is really key with these guys because I'm looking – when you look at those four guys, the only one I'm, like, truly excited about the second contract with, I honestly think, is Christian Benford. Like, I, I don't, I mean, we don't know what the Bills are going to do with running back position. Like, as good as James Cook is going to be, like, and if he's going to be, like, there, I still have a little bit of concern with James Cook. But, like, hmm. w- is there a world where Brandon Bean pays a running back, right? So, I just don't know that question. And then, obviously, we're years away, away from the Tel- Terrell Bernard potential extension. I don't know if Khalil Shakir it's necessarily going to get a worthwhile extension, but I, I don't know. I feel like Benford might be a guy that's going to be here like long, long term. He's the, if you're looking at right now, like as sad as it is, Trey's Trey White's future is very much up in the air. Like what does he look like coming back from a, another devastating injury? In addition to the miles on the tires and the position he plays and the stress on those joints and spots in his body. Like what does he look like? Rasul Douglas is on, you know, he's under contract for next year. If he somehow sucks or they want to bail, he's got no dead cap. He's got no dead cap. Hits, right. so they can release him at any point, but he's going to stay. But after next year, so next year is Christian Benford's third year. He's mm-hmm. earned the ability to start, but he like, he looks like your cornerback of the future right now. Like if he, and like we talked about, he's still on that upward trajectory. Trey, I don't know what he's going to look like come week one, but I just, I Christian Benford is going to be starting week one for me for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And then if when if and when Trey comes back, do they rotate him in? What do you get? What do you get with Rasul Douglas to kind of play this game? I think Christian Benford gets a second contract. Like, and he's Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of where I feel. Like out of these four guys, like who are you most confident in getting that second contract? Especially in a in a phase of the franchise where you're honestly penny pinching. Like you're really penny pinching every chance you get. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I wonder, let me go back to bum, bum, bum. the Bills corner spending. Yeah, so you've got, I want to pull up Tredavious White's contract. So Trey has uh, oof, potential out uh, in 2024. Oh, no, dead cap. You can split up the debt. You saved 10 million, but he's got a dead cap of 10. 2025, if the Bills cut Trey in 2025, pre-June uh, 1st or post-June 1st release or trade, he's got a dead cap hit of $4.1 million and a cap savings of twelve point five. Um, That would be his age 30 season in 2025. So you have that opportunity to potentially shed his contract if he just doesn't come back to what you want. But I really feel like you need to see – I. I he's not going to be the Trey white that anybody wants next year. Like same thing with him coming back last year from the ACL. Like it's the same thing with Von Miller, like year two removed from that injury is when you start to see. So we'll see what Von Miller looks like in 2024. Cause I wasn't expecting much from 2023. Same thing with Trey. What's he going to look like in 2023? Cause I wasn't expecting much from 2022, but same thing again now with the stupid Achilles, like 
I'm not expecting much in 2024. Yeah. Let's see what he is in 2025. He muddies all of it. But ben do you even want to get 2025 year 30 Trey White? Well, that's what I'm saying. That like that. Out? And then that's the conversation too. And then even if you're looking at Rasul Douglas, like he's sweet. He's 30 next year in that 2024 season. Meanwhile, Christian Benford is sitting here at 24 years old right now and under contract again through 2025. His, his, bro, he's gonna, he's a legitimate CB2 right now. His cap hit this year was 918,000. Next year, it'll be 1.03 million. And in 2025, it'll be 1.148. Like that value, you're getting a premium position, corner two, still again on the upward trend for under $2 million a season. Yeah. That's why you, if you hit on the, I mean, Benford's also an extreme example, right? Like you got a CB two in round six, like that, right, that right. doesn't happen, but that goes to the well, conversation. Hey, I mean, they've done it multiple times. Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford. And Levi was unsigned. Like they took an undrafted free agent and made him like a low tier. And I know people are going to be like, yeah, but Levi sucks and Dane sucks. You took a seventh round pick in Dane and made him like a, a CB three low, low end CB two. Yeah, you took Levi Wallace yeah. and made him a low end CB two and got him paid with Pittsburgh. Like, man, there's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like they're late round pieces, but yeah, like that corner spot is real interesting. And Benford, I'm in a similar boat. Like I've throughout the entirety of the year, like I know, and Bernard deserves his flowers. Absolutely. 100%. But I kept trying to talk up Benford as much as I could. Like I just, he's making plays on the ball and punch it. The ball skills are what really got me. Yeah. The PBUs, the interceptions, the fumbles, like the peanut punches and his ability to make tackles and put his head or shoulder on the football to jar the ball loose. It's not an accident with the way he plays. And then you mm-hmm. add it on top of the skill set and the frame, like he's physical, he can tackle, he's improved with his coverage. I still can't believe he's made that jump. I and I tell the story all the time whenever I talk about him. We didn't have a lot of film on him. And all you and I got to watch was his Villanova tape against Penn State. And the, fir- the first snap, Jahan Dotson turns him inside out on a post and burns him. And we were like, oh, it was oh, so this damning. Sucks. I wrote him I off so early. And then you look at the stats and it's like, he's got all this ball it production. It is funny though. Stuff, like, but we didn't have the tape. In watching that game, because that was the only game that we had, I was really encouraged with his physicality. I was like, this guy is stacking blocks. He's active in the run game. Like, I really like what he's doing. Yeah, but we were just press like, we can't game. cover. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't have enough information on what he's doing in coverage other than, like, stats. physical. But the stats were press. impressive. It was like, well, he's got all these interceptions and PBUs. And I was like, really? Sick. He got cooked <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time in this one play. I in saw. this one game. <laughs> and we always kept giving the caveat. Like, people were like, oh, what do you think of Benford? And we were like, in the film room, we'd be like, we only had this one game, but, like, not good. Oh man, man. stop! Yeah, but yeah, actually, I, I, and even now, he, oh, real quick too, he's only yeah. twenty three right now. He'll be twenty four during the twenty twenty four season. He's twenty three and one hundred twenty nine days right now. So even within that, like, you have a CP two who's twenty three years old right now and who is under cost control for the next two years. Two like, years. and that's a premium position, right? Like, if I had to pay, I know what Bernard does, right? And I love it. If I have to pay a linebacker or a corner, I'm paying a corner. Right, and this is this is kind of what I meant about like who's getting that second contract because yes. same thing with the conversation pinching. like what was it like last year it was like or last the previous off season before twenty twenty two started before Knox got his extension it was like okay 
who the conversation was like, who are you extending? Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver. And it was like, well, based on positional importance, it should probably be Ed Oliver, but he's kind of wishy-washy. That's also another one. Like the, that Dawson Knox contract pisses me off. Like they're just not getting the value out of it. I know he's been injured, no. but like, ugh. no, I'm, ugh. I'm low key looking to trade him this off season. Um, I don't know who's willing to take that at this moment, but like, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Damn, Kendall dropping the hammer. Well, it's just tough. Cause it's like, you know, you have cost control behind him. That's better in pretty much every facet of the position other than the blocking stuff, which you yes. can get from other people. Like that's not a hard part of the position to replace. Knox has a cap hit this year of $15.4 million. Oh, I'm sorry, 14.3. And then, oh, 2025, he has a dead cap hit of 7.8 that you can spread over the last two years, but you would save $11.5 million if you cut him. Um, 2026 is the big one. You could cut him and save 12 mil and then only have a dead cap at a 3.4, but that's just like, we can't wait that long. It's just, it's too much time. Like you either need to start using him and figure out how to do more stuff out of 12 personnel, or you gotta, you gotta find a trade partner, like he's, trade him to the giants. He, he, he's paid like a top 10 tight end. And I still it's don't know if he T9th. is a top 10 tight end. And he's nine. T9th, yeah. And that's my problem. Like, it's not the player. Like, Dawson Knox is a good player. It's just the price point. It's really all it is. Like, yes. I have no problem. And he's got to stay healthy. Right. He but keeps I mean, getting banged up and yeah, missing that's significant almost, time. That's, like, not even his fault. You know, that's just the sport. No, that's luck. But, but, but that, that's, an, like, a part you have to include. Because, like, I yeah. feel like anybody who's pro Dawson Knox is going to play devil's advocate and say, well, yeah, but he hasn't had the opportunity to make these plays because yeah, he's yeah, been hurt. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, it's like I, I want Dawson Knox on this team, but I don't want Dawson Knox on this team as the ninth highest paid tight end in the league. Like, no, I don't like that. I don't he's like top that 15. Like, I'm easy saying top 15, top 16, like top half of the league. But, like, it's, it's still, like, that's a high price point as is anyways because we've Correct. seen these tight end contracts go up and kind of balloon in the last few years. So, yeah. And it, and obviously having the juxtaposition of Dalton Kincaid in terms of talent makes it much harder of a pill to swallow. Absolutely, it is. It's very much less than ideal. And oh man, yeah, I'm just I'm starting to go down. Yeah, I can't do that right now. Yeah, we can't do that. Goal. We can't do that right now. But no. J- James Cook, um, I'm curious, how do you feel about James Cook moving forward? Like, if he were to incrementally grow on this season if you were to stack two more seasons like this one but just you know a hair better in each progressive season how would you feel about a second contract for james cook you know like hair less drops a little bit more yards after contact like just little improvements in each year the next year i'm always so torn with running backs because i i i see jason's comment that came through that said i am full team don't pay (laughs) running backs i I feel bad devaluing a position monetarily Same. and I, and I do value running backs, but it just, it just seems like running backs come out of the wood. Ty Johnson is a really good example. That's the example. Honestly, seeing what Joe Brady did with every single running back that was in the running back room this year, like give me a better example of why the right. position is devalued. Like you can just keep taking running backs in like the third round or fourth round, like any for even as much as everybody was like Zach Moss sucked. 
Zach Moss kind of balled out with the Colts this year. Like, you don't just, need to tell me twice. I know you don't need to tell either of those points. Um, but that again, like, or look what even Devin Singletary did with Houston. Like, I still think yeah. Singletary is what he is. But again, Singletary was a a one year deal for the Texans. Like, there's there's so many examples of these one year running backs coming in and doing well, or late round running backs that get picked and turn into something. Like, I just. I find it hard to pay running backs knowing that, and this sounds cruel, but knowing how easily replaceable they are or how easy it is to replicate their production. Now, if you have a unicorn, I'm okay paying, mm-hmm. like I'm okay paying Alvin Kamara and I'm okay paying Jonathan Taylor. So hold on. This goes back to my, my original question. Do you think incrementally growing on what he did this year, over the next two years, is that enough to get into that Alvin Kamara type of unicorn? He would have to become the legitimate, like, second option focal point of the offense, like, after Stefan Diggs. Like, we're not, and I'm, we're not talking wide receiver two, like, oh, and Dalton Kincaid. Like, we're talking, like, oh, the offense kind of funnels through James Cook. Like, if, if James Cook, actually, I should put it this way, Jameer Gibbs. Like right now, if he if he improves the next three years on the season that he just had, like you're already thinking about unicorn running back payment, right? Well, yeah, but I like Jameer Gibbs a lot more than I like James Cook. Right, I and this is but set. this is kind of the point, right? Like this yeah. this is the point where it's like, what level is it okay to make that investment? And I think right now, as great as James Cook was this year, What's we're it? both in lockstep where it's like it just needs to get to that elite level where it's like, yes, I am. I I have no qualms right now bringing in a Ty Johnson and being like he's a running back above replacement. Like but he, also, he just is. True. But also here's the thought too, even with Detroit, like Jameer Gibbs is awesome. David Montgomery killed it too. Yep. And you know partially why? Because the Lions offensive line is sick. <laughs> yeah. So like I even that that the other the third running back, Reynolds, who balled out yeah, against Craig Tampa Reynolds, Bay yeah. in the regular season, like that's also part of it too. Like I'm like, I don't know, you take a good offensive line. Like, even, even the Cowboys, right? Like, Ezekiel Elliott went away, and then it was, like, Tony Pollard sick. And then even, what was it, Dowdle, like, the other running back this year, mm-hmm. like, was putting up numbers. And, like, not to say that they're not good, but if you have a good offensive line, you can kind of, running backs, just re- switch them in and switch them in. It's kind of like the old um Denver Broncos. It was like, man, like, Terrell Davis went out. And it was like, cool, here's Mike Anderson. Cool, here's Orlandis Gary. Cool, here's Clinton Portis. Like, just keep rotating them in because our offensive line is sick and our scheme is sick. Um, but I, I do think there's something to be said for unicorn pieces. The skill set has to be there. But I, I do think paying a, paying a running back is more of a luxury than it is, like, mm-hmm. I, I like that's also part of it, too. Like, depending on what money they're going to command, like, I don't know if the Bills are going to have the cap space to pay a running back like that when, right. and Josh I don't know Allen. if that juice is, exactly, and I don't know if that juice is worth the squeeze than just taking a cool running back in the third round or second round again, like a James Cook, or like, I don't know, like, I like Marshawn Lloyd from USC, like, cool, if you can get him in like the fourth round, why not? Like, take these running backs that seem to just come out of, the woodwork year after year. And again, mm-hmm. like you said, and like we said, Ty Johnson's the perfect example. They took this running back that everybody was like, okay, whatever. Like, and look what they got out of Latavius Murray. And Damian mm-hmm. Harris was even successful, like, but in the offense this year, like you can make a case either way for it, but you'd really have to, 
you really have to be the focal point of the offense for me to give you a second contract. But then also on the other side of it, that's also a double-edged sword because then I'm like, oh, well, you were the focal point. You deserve this contract. But then I'm like, yeah, but now you got a lot more like wear and tear on you. Are you going to break down <laughs> if I give you this money? Yeah. Like, look at Yeah, like, he, look at, say, he needs a compliment anyways. Bro, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think his frame is going to sustain that going forward. He doesn't have the thickness and the frame to handle that regular wear and tear. Like, for as much as he would get subbed out, like, I don't think Cook is meant to be a feature back. No, he's not. Yeah. Like a 20, he can be a feature back, but he's a feature as like the 1A. He's not a feature like. Right. He's 20 he, touches, but like he not can't all do that time. every week. No, like he's not. Week. And I was going to say this, I was going to see, I was going to be like, oh, he's not like Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones breaks down all the time too. Like it's just hard to stay healthy as a running back, which is why they don't get paid. Yeah. It sucks. I hate being negative about James Cook. Like, I I am really excited about him. But, like, seeing someone who is a very, very similar skill set to him in Jameer Gibbs, and he's just so much more explosive in and out of his cuts. He's making catches. He's he's picking up blocks. Like, it's... His speed is just... James Cook is fast and has burst. Jameer Gibbs is... Explosive in every aspect of the word. His giddy... Man, that, um... The touchdown run he had on Sunday, the one where, like, he ended it by, like, stiff-arming Antoine Winfield. Mm-hmm. Like, Winfield is nasty. And no, Winfield comes down from the post-safety and breaks down, and Gibbs is just like, Whoop, and I just I feel like takes people off. aren't talking about Gibbs and how angry he runs like Pacheco. Ooh, you know, like, pe- people talk about how angry Pacheco runs because of, like, his gait and just how it looks. But, like, mm-hmm. Gibbs is kind of similar high knees push he's like punching the ground with his feet yeah Yeah, like he runs angry he runs angry angry. but he doesn't have that style of play so to speak Mm -hmm. it's 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 a little abrasive to like the type of player he is pacheco has the physicality that matches the running style whereas gibbs can break tackles but he's he's just the speed like yeah and he his speed, James Cook's speed makes difference. I posted the one clip today from the game against the Chiefs where they run like weak side, um, mid zone, and Justin, it's like second and four, and Justin Reed comes down into the boundary, and Cook just hesitates to make him freeze and then just right. boots right by him and gets like six yards easy. But then, like, you take Gibbs, and he's just, it's just next level. He doesn't even hesitate. He just knows he has the edge on the guy. And he does it. And he can get it from anywhere. Like if you, he can run through the hole and if your angle is slightly off, he's gone. And he's that dude who can go horizontal, even when it's not there and still turn the corner. But again, that I, I'd, I'd still have a hard time being like, yeah, I should pay him even though he's nasty. Like, yeah, 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 no, I understand. I, I think obviously this whole conversation is a little bit uh, muddy just because of the Josh Allen thing, and I mean that's just life now. Yeah. Um, and I've said it all the time too with running back, like, like one of my favorite I, the off the field. I, I I try to separate as much as I can on the field and off the field. And what he did wasn't the worst thing, but like one of my favorite players in the league has been Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I would have paid Alvin Kamara what the Saints paid Alvin Kamara, right? But then, right. Like, but he's also, again, he, he's 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 a workhorse like back, like and does everything. But he started to show some wear and tear a little bit. But his I mean, wear they, and tear doesn't. Yeah, keep they him take out. him off the field a little bit sometimes though. Like that. That's well, kind they, of, they take him off. Like the the right. They're the strategic. First, 
yes, the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter touches, they have like a rhythm and routine. So that way, if they need it in the fourth quarter, you're like, hey, bro, you're not leaving the field. Yeah. And we're going to give it to you like every single time. And I he feel like takes the, Bills need to, the Bills need to figure that out with Cook. They need to find that. What is that formula to, to keep him and optimize his his snap count? Because I think they're taking him out a little too much. He's mm-hmm. like... I think also some of that too is the pass protection piece, which I think he improved oh, on a bit this year. But sure, you, but yeah, that's the... Yeah, that's a that's a. And everybody's always point. like, man, like you need him in more on passing downs. But it's like, yeah, teams are still gaming him up in pass protection. like, and that's But if you get him out into the route quick like maybe yes. there's just an option there for josh on especially on those blitz looks where he's not always he got better this year though in pass bro. he he did um but yeah like I, I just i don't know cook cook is such an interesting topic to me personally um i guess the last one really is shakir like do you see a second contract for shakir even with the breakout i it's so early like we we still have so much time, and he just had his breakout as a fifth year or fifth round draft pick. My my worry for that conversation is the draft pick. I don't know what the future <laughs> of the wide receiver position. Yeah, like and what the future of the position looks like. Like, is he? It depends on what his contract commands. Is he going to get paid? Like, is he looking to get paid like a wide receiver two? Is he looking to get paid like a slot receiver slash wide receiver three? Like. And so much of it is for the sake of the conversation, because we know the bills are kind of strapped for it. Mm -hmm. If he's just kind of keeps the status quo kind of similar to the James cook conversation, he incrementally builds on this. He proves that he's an established wise wide receiver three, like the bills know they, Mm -hmm. they like him in that role, but he improves upon it and he shows the dependability. Do you think they should pay him a second contract to be that type of role player? Or do you think it's not even worth that money i think it's potentially worth it but it's tied to dalton kincaid's trajectory and Mm. then if and a wide receiver too because if i'm paying shakir what he's worth what is he option four right like that's what i'm saying like so say they take i'll just uh, who's gonna be a relatively let's say they take jalen polk wide receiver from washington and he becomes a wide receiver too. And okay, like he's a legit, he's what he's as advertised. Okay. Are you paying Polk? Like, are you paying Kincaid? But then again, Diggs's money is off the book. So, okay, is Polk like, how does all that coalesce? Just, just right Polk at the time the one... that Shakir has to get paid, exactly. Polk, or yeah, let's for, say for it's me, that rookie is now. And, 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 and I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it like this if Diggs is out of the picture, Hands down, yes. If Diggs is still there and maintaining and Kincaid is what we think he will be and that wide receiver two that they get this year is what we think they will be, then I don't think you can afford to pay that piece to Shakir. That's fair. Depending, again, depending on what he commands. If he's going to get like six mil a year or seven, I'd be like, okay. But if he's going to yeah. go out on the market and he's looking for double, like you can't afford to pay Khalil Shakir. No, no like, I think the money was always going to be seven. It, yes. And so I was going to say like, my, I'm drawing the line at like, you can't pay Khalil Shakir Jacoby Myers money 
Right. If you have Diggs, if Kincaid is Kincaid, and if your wide receiver two becomes a wide receiver two with potential wide receiver one upside. Like if all those hit, it's just you just can't like yeah. from a finding or you can, but then you're a glass cannon and you're trying to patchwork together the defense. And then then you similar to the Chiefs, right? You have to hit on this young talent defensively because you can't dip into the into the bank account or the banana stand, even though there's always money in the banana stand. You can't dip into it to pay your defensive guys because you've allocated so many so much resources to the offensive line. Because then the conversation you're also having around that time with Khalil Shakir coming up, okay, is Spencer Brown getting paid before that? Is Osiris Torrance trending up and you're gonna pay him? Like, is Connor McGovern earning a second contract? Like all these kind of potential dominoes that make the auxiliary pieces can right. you pay them less important. And you're like, should I just replace via draft? And I say that as a person who loves Shakir, you, I, dude, I know you this kills me, bro. I know you got his Jersey. We I have his about Jersey. Him and I'm like, I might not even get a second contract out of this guy. That no, but you know what? I didn't be... get a cook Jersey, but, but it'll be sweet. Like, because he'll go to a team and be successful. And then you can be that dude who like, when Shakir is balling out with like Anthony Richardson and the and the Colts on this big time second contract, you can be the cool dude that's like, oh no, I got a Bill Shakir jersey. They're gonna be like, oh, so, that like OG Shakir jersey, and you're like, yeah. And you're gonna love this. So early in the season, uh, uh, everyone in in the office has like jerseys on the back of their work chair, right? Okay. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Should I bring in a Josh Allen jersey? That's pretty sweet. And then I was like, no, my Josh Allen jersey is like the stitched one. Like, I don't want it to get messed up or anything like that. So I don't do that. And then weeks go by, and Khalil Shakir's starting to get some run. And everyone's like, who is this guy? As, That's awesome. You know, people are writing notes on the Bills game. And I'm like, what do you mean, who is this guy? He's on my chair. Yeah, I'm like, I have a Khalil Shakir jersey. So, and then next week, on Sunday, I go into work, I bring in my Khalil Shakir jersey, put it over the back of my chair, and then this specific, like, right during this, uh, the Steelers game, it was so funny. Everyone is in the office, you know, writing notes for all the games, and Bills are looking like they're going to fold a little bit in the Steelers game, and what does Khalil Shakir do? He just pops off for that touchdown. No one sees it coming. We saw it coming from a mile away. The dude's got contact balance. We already knew it. Runs like a running back once the ball is in his hands. It's crazy. But, yeah, and then that happens, and everyone's just, like, looking at me like, how did you know this? I'm like, because I watched the tape. Watch the tape, dog. He's good. Like, he's a really solid player. But, yeah, it was a really nice, like, come up. I love that. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I knew who this guy was. (laughs) We wanted him to get worked in more – last year and then the drop against Miami in the playoffs like killed yeah, us killed. We were like, of yeah. course he had this big moment but yeah we saw it come again it's crazy what happens if you watch the all 22 and actually scout <laughs> know like, what you're watching <laughs> yeah it's funny what you can see happen like my biggest my biggest thing like the thing I kept saying because it was just the easiest way to say it the most succinct way without using a ton of characters on Twitter like when Shakir would do things I would just be like oh Shakir, he looks like Boise State Khalil Shakir. Like, that was the yeah. easiest way for me to put it because, like, I've seen these things before. He did these things. Yeah, he's, he's not doing surpri- them now. Yeah, NFL. like, the game isn't too fast for him. Nothing's changed. He looks like the same player. It's a good way to put it. 
I like that a lot. I also like this comment. We'll grab this comment from Jason. Then we'll start to wrap. He says, we're taking for granted the lack of O-line issues this year and their ability to stay healthy and play able to run in the pass. Money will go there to protect the franchise. This is a low-key um, thing, and I love this point from Jason. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Bills had the same offensive line unit for the entirety of the year. Now, maybe the football gods were like, well, we're going to give you that, but then murder everyone else with injuries. <laughs> um, but yeah, the amount of consistency and and coherent chemistry that they had coherent could that that's not right whatever it doesn't matter and the amount of chemistry that they had no that might be right forget it, it doesn't matter um the chemistry that they had is you know combined with the health absolutely and i think you know to that point going forward again what do you do with spencer brown osiris torrance is under term what do you do with mitch morse do you need to look at a center of the future are you still kind of letting ryan Bates simmer is he a future part of the potential plan um thank you bob cohesive is what i was looking for not coherent and coherent means something completely different. I knew as soon as I said it and I couldn't think of what else it was. Thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, that offensive line health is hard to health in general is hard to replicate one mm-hmm. way or the other. But yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, in addition to again, the long-term piece of like, what does this offensive line look like long-term going forward? Because you're going to have to pay potentially some of these dudes in some way, shape or form and, or replace them. Um, But let alone just the health, like it would be hard for them to match that health next year. Hmm. Yeah, it it really was underrated. They took a big step forward this year. That made a huge difference. They were one of them. They, yeah, it was a huge after years of clamoring for it. It's crazy. What happens when you draft a, guard in the second round and then pay money to a good guard in free agency what did you think what did you think of torrance full year letter grade just quick thought letter grade yeah just quick letter grade a b yeah that, that sounds that about he, right he had some I felt of... like he started really strong yes took like he started a really like a big b plus dip a minus. in the middle and then yeah. kind of stabilized at the end i think he's going to be and he calmed a lot of my worries by by shedding the weight that he did coming into yeah. camp but and we talked about when he was drafted like he's a monster of a man pop in his hands vice grip all this kind of stuff the strength but what was he going to do against like nfl quickness mm-hmm. and speed inside and i think there were there were some times yeah. and reps where you saw him get <laughs> got um just because like speed beat him or he was laid off the snap and he was done in an instant and sometimes he and Spencer Brown would get gamed up with some twists and some games. But I think overall in the year, I'm very encouraged. Like, I'd give him a B. I think he potentially looks like like a, their long-term starter at guard, at least through the life of his contract. And I think he made a big difference in why this offensive line had the physicality it did and the displacement potential that they did in the run game and why they were able to execute multiple schemes because of his physicality and people-moving ability. I feel you. I love it. I'm I'm happy about the pick. I was yeah surprised with it, but I love it. I just didn't think he was going to be there. Again, this is right. a dude. I remember, I just remember me and Eric standing behind him at the Senior Bowl, like whispering <laughs> to each other about how big he was. And then <laughs> and then we were at dinner the last night we were there, and he was at the table behind us, being taken out to dinner by the Detroit Lions. And we were like, oh, like, are the Lions going to take him? And then we were like, oh, that would be sick. Like, their offensive line is so good. They could let him yeah. sit for, like, a year or do whatever. And then, oh, man, that'd be crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then the Steelers were sit. The Steelers were behind the Lions, but they weren't taking oh anybody God. out. They were just hanging out. And then Joe Barry, the GM for the Browns, 
was at a table by himself with no one. Mm. Or no, Andrew Barry. Yeah, it's Andrew. Joe Barry's the defensive coordinator uh, for the Packers. For the Packers, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was like at this table, like by himself, sitting with no one. And we were like, that's weird. Like, why is no one hanging? Why is no one? That's a conversation for another time. But yeah, it was the, that mm-hmm. whole like night. We were like spotting people left and right at this spot. But yeah, it was cool to see Tyrus. Yeah, he, but he came into camp, changed his body. Like, there was no way he was going to survive in the NFL at 337 pounds. And. Right. Yeah, I think he had a promising rookie year. Anything you want to add before we get out of here? Nah, man. I- I'm happy to talk Bills. Sucks that we had to do it in this I know. This this reasoning, but always happy to talk Bills with you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. And there's more to come. This is only again, this is kinda just early, early table setting. There's so much moving and shaking to be done. There's so much there's so much to be decided in the free agency dust and the draft class dust pro days, workouts, senior bowl, shrine bowl, combine, all this stuff. Like there is, I'm sure someone's going to start to creep into the first round that nobody and their mother has heard of at this point right now. There's going to be guys that fall. There's going to be a multitude of stuff. And as always like teams value different players and positions and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of moving and shaking to be happened and happen, but, um, yeah, it's sad that the Bills are out, as always. Silver lining is I can just dive into prospect evaluation now and not have to mm. try and blend. Okay, I got to do Bill stuff, and then I got to do college stuff. I can figure it all out. But, yeah, sad times, but it was awesome to kind of walk through a lot of this offseason table setting with you. I appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you for joining me and taking the time. And, um, yeah, I'm going to throw up the banner here. This says Toodle Folks because, man, we – I was like <laughs> – Jason says, good luck on your SATs. Get <laughs> That's a good one. Never, never again. I will yeah, never. Real good. <laughs> hey, they That's don't matter really anymore, good. right? That's not yeah, I don't think that... they do. Like, I don't even know <laughs> if they did. Like, Well, right, but yeah, like they um, literally don't matter anymore. No, I don't think it. Yeah. I mean, school, also, school doesn't matter. Just like get really good okay, at video games. Hey, there and... could be children listening. No, all the kids out there, get really good at video games. Start a Twitch when you're like 12 years old oh God, and you're golden. Coming to? That's it. Just play Fortnite, become the next ninja. You're good. Like, you don't need to do anything else. Start a podcast, golden. You don't need <laughs> As if content. no one's podcasting. I know, right? That's just terrible. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna throw up the banner that says, "Yes, don't study, get drop out of school." Um, throw up the banner that says, "Toodles, folks," because we're gonna get out of here. I did not. I thought this would be like, eh, we'll get in and out. This is the longest episode I think I've ever done on disguise coverage. Hey, but it's a general state of the bills. Where do they go from here? It kind of makes sense. It's important, and in, in, in a in a tone setting off season for this off season will go a very long way in terms of determining oh what the bills are. It going is forward. truly a set the table for what happens while Josh Allen is paid. Absolutely. Like this is the time where the, whether the feet hit the pavement or the tires hit the pavement. I don't know. Whoever's been, Whatever Bob, you, you corrected me on cohesive versus coherent, What's whatever the, the phrasing is. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> just hit me with that phrase. Um, yeah. This is where stuff starts to hit the fan. Like, you need to nail your draft classes and your player evaluation when your quarterbacks hit these contracts, when Mahomes hit his, when Rodgers hit his. Like there are there are stresses and pain points that come with paying your franchise quarterback, which is why that model for years was 
take advantage. You get a get good young quarterback and take advantage of them on their rookie deal and pay other spots and go hard for it, like what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz when they won a Super Bowl, and or even Golf when they went to it uh, when the Rams went with him on his rookie deal, like trying to take advantage of that spot. Mm-hmm. But now you got to pay those quarterbacks, and then you got to find ways to get that cost-effective talent in a variety of ways. And some positions are going to be revolving doors in terms of one- and two-year deals, but you still have to hit on those. Other ones, you need to draft core pieces, hope that they you get value out of almost every round in the draft in some way, shape, or form. And, yeah, this year is going to go a long way in terms of determining the fate of the Buffalo Bills for literally the next several years and through the life cycle right now of Josh Allen's contract. And it was awesome to have you on Kendall for this episode. Thank you to everybody who wrote with us here in the live chat. Appreciate all you folks. Thank you very much uh, to Vera F Kennedy for the super chat earlier in the episode. Before any of you leave, if you have not already, please, please, please. Thank you. Drop a like on this video. It goes a sincerely long way towards helping myself and the entire team to track and trend in front of more eyes and ears. I always throw it up at different points in episodes. I mentioned at the beginning, one pie pizza, the best pizza in Buffalo, New York, Go get yourself some online menu can be found in the episode show notes, whether here on YouTube or whichever podcast in the app or platform you're listening to this show on sweet sauce, pie, cup and char pepperoni, homemade blue cheese. Nobody does it better. And they also give back to the community in in a variety of ways. Get yourself some one pie pizza. Thank you to everyone who joined us live here on this episode. If you did not join us live, that's cool. Thank you very much for your post live view on YouTube. Please drop a like on this video. Again, likes are the lifeblood of these streams in terms of impacting the algorithm. So please, 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 and thank you. Drop a like on this video. If you're listening on one of the podcasting apps or platforms, that's cool too. Please rate and review and subscribe to Disguise Coverage. Turn notifications on for the Disguise Coverage playlist here on YouTube. If you want to join myself and Eric Turner tomorrow, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern for the Cover One Film Room, we'll be diving into a bunch of the tape from the Bills versus Chiefs. So if you need and or want more catharsis, Uh, That'll be fully Bills, Chiefs, no looking forward. We're just going to kind of close the chapter on the season and what happened in that divisional round. Thank you to everyone for tuning in live. Thank you very much for your post-live view, listen, download, whatever have you. Thank you very much to Mr. Kendall Mursky for taking the time to join me. Uh, Kendall, I love you. Appreciate the hell out of you. Everybody in the chat, appreciate you folks. Everybody watching, listening, all that kinds of stuff. I hope you and your family and friends and loved ones are all doing well and staying safe. Be kind to one another. Take care of one another. I will see you, oh, next Tuesday, Disguise Coverage. So I'll be in Mobile, Alabama next week. I'm going back and forth between pre-recording some prospect stuff and uploading it at 9 p.m. next Tuesday and or going live on like Friday-ish with some bill stuff, senior bowl stuff. I'm not sure yet. You will get an episode of disguise coverage next week. I'm just not sure when it won't be live Tuesday at 9 PM. It'll be either be pre-recorded and posted live Tuesday at 9 PM, or it'll be later in the week. Stay tuned to my Twitter at pro underscore underscore ant for all those pieces and information. I'll see you tomorrow in the film room with Eric, 7 PM Eastern. Appreciate all the kind words coming in, um, through the chat. Um, <laughs> Jason with another clutch one. I like RJ's too. I appreciate you, Omari. Thanks for all the episodes throughout the season. Go Bills. Appreciate you folks more than you will possibly know. Be kind to one another. Take care of one another. If you're on the East Coast or Central Time, go to bed. It's late. Um, we're going to give Kendall a warm glass of milk and send him off to bedtime as well. Godspeed. <laughs> as always, go Bills. <laughs>